let me sing you a little song. It might clear things up. I'm gonna make love to you, woman. Gonna lay you down by the fire. And caress your womanly body. Make you moan and perspire. Gonna get those juices flowing. We're making love, baby. Love, baby. Love, 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 love. Huh? Hi, Chef. Nice day, isn't it? It sure is. Thank you. Chef, what's a prostitute? Why do you need to know what a prostitute is anyway? Because Jesus told us that Kenny's a prostitute, is he? Well, no, of course Kenny is not a prostitute. Why? Well, because children, a prostitute is someone who you can pay for certain services. Like what? Like keeping you company. Understand? No. You see, children, sometimes a man needs to be with a woman. But sometimes when the loving is over, the woman just wants to talk and talk and talk and talk. But a prostitute is someone who would love you no matter who you are, what you look like. Yes, it's true, children. But that's not why you pay a prostitute. No, you don't pay for her to stay. You pay her to leave afterwards. Stan, let me sing you a little song about the menstrual cycle. I think it might clear things up for you. Okay. Ooh, baby, yeah, baby, ooh, baby. Yeah, baby, yeah, baby, now, nah, baby. Ooh, yes, 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 baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, baby. Oh, 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 no, baby. You, baby, no, no. Uh, no, I'm all right. I'm, I'm cool. It's okay. Uh, watch out for the best friend, baby. Look out now. Uh, i tell you what. Uh, how about, uh, uh, why don't I call you next week? And that's my song about the menstrual cycles. Gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, thank you for coming along. It is uh, four minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of August of the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are uh, live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, The Talker. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson radio program, the home of exceptional microphone processing. Uh, it is Monday, and welcome to day 12. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. want to join us today. 503-733-2970. Live here in lovely downtown Portland, Oregon, uh, where the men are brave and the women wondrous. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, with your comments, questions, clarifications, conventions, two cents, uh, what have you. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the love-making, uh, the whatever it is you might have. 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Uh, Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. What do we have here? 
Coming up in today's program, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum Baum, Baum. Uh, from New York City. CNN Radio correspondent James Roof will join us from Los Angeles. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer today with a small science update toward the latter part of this hour. Later on, in uh, honor of Isaac Hayes, uh, dearly departed from this plane of existence, uh, we will have today's top five, top five love-making songs. Uh, it's coming up later on. Top five. Let me just do it one more Don't time. Don't say it in that voice. No, let me. It's the only voice in which you can say it, Sarah. You can't say it any other way. Isaac Hayes would want it this way. You're damn right. Uh, top five. Love-making songs. By the way, the only thing creepier than me saying it that way was Chris Paddock uh, and I together in my office alone with the door closed trying to brainstorm top five love-making songs earlier today. Uh, we are both white and nerdy, my friends. Uh, so there was Chris Paddock and I, and we must have, Chris Paddock and I must have used the phrase making love like about 75 times. So it's, uh, it's all very exciting. Uh, let's see. What else have we got coming up today? Geek Watch. We got, seriously, like I think seven different geek stories. I'm not entirely sure that that number's accurate, but we got many, many, many. We got lots of geek stories coming up. Uh, geek Watch today. Uh, Hick Watch coming up today. Clergy Watch. I don't think I handed you this Clergy Watch, Tim. I got a Clergy Watch. So do you have the Clergy Watch about the rules and regulations for the touching of children? I believe so, yes. Okay, so that's our clergy watch. I okay. forgot to, to label it as such. We have an exceptional uh, clergy watch coming up today. Uh, let's see, what else? Mm-hmm. Penis watch. Uh, an excruciating penis watch on the way. Let's see. Uh, we may or may not get to uh worst song you've ever heard uh, later on today. Um, Jesus, I, I, don't, I don't even know what else. Uh, the... Even though it's not really high-concept day, because that's typically Thursday, there's a high-concept topic we meant to do on Thursday, then I meant to do it on Friday. I may do it today because, A, uh, Peter Carlin, I think, is going to join us later on to talk about television, as he often does, and it's also a high-concept topic for which time is of the essence. Uh, so we'll try to get to that uh, later on as well. Um, a whole bunch of other stuff, things that happened this weekend, stuff that uh, we got coming up later on in the week. Don't forget, tomorrow we'll be talking to... Guy from the city who will discuss bicycles and bicycle safety with us. Uh, I keep forgetting the guy's name, uh, but tomorrow at 2 o'clock um, in the studio, uh, we're going to have somebody from the uh, Oregon Department of Transportation who's going to talk about the interplay and intersection, both literal and figurative, uh, between bicyclists and motorists. Uh, and it's, this is essentially just born out of the fact that we can never get a freaking answer about certain things. And it's all just very confusing. Sometimes you can ride on the, on the, you know, the sidewalk, sometimes you can't. Sometimes you have to be in the street, sometimes you have to be on the shoulder. Sometimes, uh, you know, you, you can make the free ride, sometimes you can't make the free ride. Greg Raisman is his name. Thank you. So uh, tomorrow we will be at long last addressing the simmering tension between cyclists and motorists. Uh, because the Rick Emerson Show is live, local, and relatable. Uh, Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification on this Monday. Fourteen are injured in a multi-car crash on Highway 26. We'll never know who the father is. John Edwards' mistress doesn't uh, want the DNA test done on her love child. An abandoned baby is found in a northeast Portland field. Craigslist, the MySpace Craigslist, makes prostitution possible in the Portland suburbs, and it's thriving. Excellent. Good for them. The cruel Russians attack Georgia, not the state here, but the country. 38 are dead after being bitten by vampire bats. It's better than the three-hour tour. Interview the widow of Bob Denver. 
Not Bob Denver himself, but the actual widow of Bob Denver. Yeah. Is this from the radio TV interview report? It is. That's the home of fine uh, interviews, Tim. You know who I got from there? Ron Dante. Are you a daddy's girl or a mama's boy? Flirting with 40. Let's see how... Is that the same sentence? No, it's, it's different. I think. Are you dumb enough to be rich? These are different guests. Clearly not. How to empty your emotional trash can. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Those is, is emptying your emotional trash can, doesn't that sort of... Emptying your emotional trash can sounds like what you're doing when you when you read those stories about somebody who finally just snapped and let everybody around him have it with a bunch of fives right to the face. That's what that sounds like. Apparently, uh, Bob Denver and his wife were married 30 years. Only they, only 30? Yep. Is this like uh, Bob Denver? The, is this Mrs. Denver the second? Oh, it could be. I'm is not it, sure. Does it have a picture of her? Is she it a looker? Not. No. No, no, no picture. I, you know, I know that Bob Denver's been dead for how long? Two years? At least. A couple yes. years. So I know that we're talking about a guy who was on a television show 45 years ago, and shortly before that on The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis, and I know that he's been dead for a couple of years, and now we're talking about him regardless. Let me say this, though. I know it's well-traveled territory to talk about the typecasting of Bob Denver as Gilligan, but... I did read the greatest slash worst story. I mean, I know there's worse things to, to be famous for some sort of iconic, uh, you know, television role. But I did read this great story about how Bob Denver, who I guess in his later years became something of, you know, something of a sophisticate, which is kind of a weird thing to picture. But I mean, I guess he was a, he was very into the world of art and specifically into painting. And so apparently there's Bob Denver at the Louvre, uh, and he's you know, which is where they have the Mona Lisa and you know all the other all the other whatever. Uh, so he's walking around the Louvre and. You know, because he's, which is in France, I think, right? The Louvre, yes? Yes. And so he's at the Louvre, and he's, you know, I'm picturing him with, like, an ascot, you know, and, like, with some sort of a pipe, and, you know, pointing out the various brush strokes and different kinds of Renaissance-area paintings. And literally, as he's standing there in the Louvre, trying to talk to his guests about paintings, some French guy runs up and, Gilligan! Gilligan! Ah, oh, Gilligan! You know, which is just, that really is that guy's life in an entire nutshell. What do we think around the room right now? Should we talk to Gilligan's widow or not? Yes. Sarah? Sure. Richie Bristol, talk to Gilligan's widow. All right, thanks so much. Uh, all and right, well, let's, let's breast, impla breast implants, inventory reduction sale. Save $750. I don't understand. It's a bizarre ad. I don't understand. From where are you reading this? Out of the Oregonian. The Oregonian is selling breast implants? Oh, it's an ad on the Oregonian. Yeah. Inventory reduction sale. Are they just in a big warehouse? Apparently so. Say $750. I thought they made those to order. Sarah just clutched her bosoms in fear. I don't know. <laughs> I, thought they, I thought the breast implants were... Well, there's too many were... little, like, saline-filled sacks around. I thought that they were custom-made. In a I... warehouse in Clackamas. <laughs> I think it depends on the quality. And it depends on if you get them under or over the... Um, if you're not going to Boobarama. Yeah. Like Gresham quality. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody! Who wants a double D cup? Good enough uh, for a square dance. All right. Well, at any event, uh, so that's all on the way. We uh, say hello, as we do always, to the lovely and talented Sarah Stellan. Hello. How are you today? Hi. I'm good. I'm sore. But I uh, worked on our soapbox derby car all day yesterday. All right. So Literally now, for 12 hours. So you got the soapbox derby, which is coming up this coming weekend, yes? This Saturday, 10 a.m. It's free. You can bring your own beer and drink the day away and come say hello. It's going to be fun. Drink the day away with Sarah Dillon, kids. Can I reveal that your float apparently is fantastic? I know the theme, which yeah. I will not reveal, okay. but it's, it's great, but that you don't have any breaks. Yeah, we have no break. There you go. Can I just tell you? <laughs> well, we're going to look good as we careen down the hill. See, that's the thing. And I mean this in the kindest way possible. You know I love you. This is you. That really is you in a nutshell. You know what I mean? It's all about form over function. 
Because I've seen you wearing, you know, shoes that can't possibly be comfortable. You know, you fall off and you're going to break your freaking neck. You're wearing sunglasses that weigh 14 pounds. Uh, you know, I've seen you get... I saw you... I don't know if I can say this on the air. I saw you... Uh, oh, yeah, so just go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, uh, I saw you... Uh, uh, I don't even remember why, but it's back when we were at Intercom. And we were going somewhere or doing something, or we were going to be talking to somebody or whatever. But you, but you had, to, you know, it's one of those days where you wanted to look kind of good, you know, uh, because you know we all have those. Like sometimes we'll come in here and we forget that we have a guest, and then Rich oh, will yeah, be like, we'll be sprucing ourselves up in, during the break. Yeah, and Rich will be like, hey, so, uh, and it's always some hot girl. Uh, Morgan's going to be here later on, so just so you know. And then I look and I'm wearing like a shirt that has like tomato stains on the front of it or something. Uh, and, but it was some day where you, you made sure that you really wanted to look good, and so you were putting on, I've always filed this phrase away, you were putting on what you termed, quote, your boy killer outfit, which I thought I thought was just like the best phrase ever. I said boy killer? You did. You turned it your boy killer outfit. And it was, by the way. It was really was exceptional. It, remember? it was a whole lot of, like, black and not, not lace as such, but I mean a lot of sort of... I don't even know. It was, okay. I, I just remember there was a lot of black. But it was a really, it was a fishnets, I think. Uh, but it was a really, really cool outfit. Couldn't have been comfortable, though, because it looked like it was all just sort of weird strapping this and lacing well, up that. It look good. It can't be comfortable. Like, you, you can't really sit, can't really maneuver. That's what I'm saying. So to some of us, fashion is more important than comfort. Uh, so your soapbox car is uh, is going to look good, probably a death trap, but that's okay because you go out in style. I know Jay, uh, who's my buddy, and we've been working over at his house uh, with the, my friends Jay and Lisa. Mm-hmm. And so he was, he was trying to help us with the brakes, and he's and we have this part where there's a seat in the far back, and so we you know adjusted the chair and everything. We have it all attached, and he's like, this is you know he's like this is kind of a death trap, and he told Lisa that she's absolutely forbidden to ride in the back. I'm like, great. So we have this attached to the car. We're, you know, we're going to be, one of us has to sit on it because there are only three seats, and he's, like, forbidding Lisa to go on it. I'm like, so great. Oh, man, I have the best idea for next year's float. Hold on. I'm going to write this down. Next year's float. I got the, okay, I got the idea of all time. Hold on. Hold on. What, for the next year's derby car? Yes, next year's uh, soapbox derby car. All right, I've written it down right now. That's the best idea. I'll tell you later. Okay. Your next year's float is already done. It's an idea that does itself. This one, yeah, it's really, it's kind of a far-fetched idea, but it's hilarious. I like it, though. It's like, yeah, we we have just have to put the finishing touches on, and uh, we already have our outfits and stuff, so it should be really cool. Excellent. Yes. Uh, Let's see. All right, so. um, Oh, I have the biggest bruise in my life on the backs of my knees. That's the other thing. You've got to put a picture of that bruise on the website. I know that sounds weird, but it's cool. It's cool and kind of hot in a weird way because it's just, you know, because so it's like, ghetto. It's you're like kind of rugged looking. You know what I mean? It's huge. I don't know because the I, backs I of your it. knees. Yeah, so I was at the Timbers game and when they scored a goal that didn't end up counting you, whatever, um, I jumped up in my bench and slammed both of the backs of my legs uh, against, you know, this metal bench. Tim, so, have you seen Sarah's bruises? I have. I you, showed him this. Oh, movie. they're man, they're fantastic. Uh, I mean, it's like, and you got that it's whole. Pretty impressive. I don't know. Even how well, it and it's like a bell curve. Bruises are weird because it's. The, we were talking about this. A bruise is sort of like a hickey you would get in tenth grade, and you're trying to cover it up, and it takes like four weeks. It's like the the amount of time that something lingers on your body is, I think, inversely proportional to the amount of time you want it there, right? You know what I mean? Uh, so, like, as soon as you get, yeah, the bruise, whatever, uh, zit right on the end of your nose or something, and it just stays there for just a tedious eternity. But the bruise is interesting because the bruise is, you get it right away, then it's red, then it's, you know, sort of gray or whatever, and now you just look like like a multicolored piece of rotten fruit. Yeah, right now it's all, like, purple and blue and kind of yellowish. It's fantastic. Uh, here's what you would do if you were, like, here's what you would do if you were some sort of, like, 
like a, a freaky, weird, uh, death-obsessed goth girl. You would take a photograph of your bruise, you would scan it in, and you would make it the wallpaper on your MySpace page. Come on, you know that that's great. Not for you, but for somebody. <laughs> kind of like how if you play Doom, uh, I think it was John Carmack that had a skateboarding accident, and he's like tore up his knee, his knee's all blooded up. So he comes into the studio, or he comes into the, to the id software uh, lab, takes a photo of his of his bloody knee, scans it in, and it actually is part of the wallpaper when you play Doom. There's a room that is just the wallpaper of the room. Uh, the design of the room is based on John Carmack's bloodied up knee. These are the sorts of things that I like. Interesting. Here's what How else I like. find something out like that? You know, uh, I'm a big retard with no life. Uh, speaking of people with no lives, uh, I-, I would say that one of the things those people do is they sit around, they obsessively compile, make, uh, debate, and compare lists of a musical nature, which brings us to musicology, which made its debut last night. Congratulations to those guys. Uh, it was a really exceptional show. It was really, really, very good. Cool. Uh, so, Timmy Ryan, Kristen Bowie, along with uh, Adam from the Pimp Squad. I saw Adam at the space room last night, and he's like, I've been at work since, you know, 9 a.m., and he's like, and I have to be back there in 15 minutes. You know, he's, you know, those guys, uh, as much as we sometimes, like, you know, not to go back to Friday, but, I, you know, we did the uh, the 888 speech for the Emerson Address, and a lot of it was about the, the state of radio, how radio is today, what radio is Excelling at and maybe where radio, in my opinion anyway, is treading a little bit of water. But i got to tell you, it is very easy, especially as you become ever older. With every passing year, and I think Tim will concur with me on this, it's very easy to sort of look around and go, these kids today, they don't have any work ethic. Where were they when I was having to play overnight oldies in, you know, in Coeur d'Alene? Uh, but I, gotta, but uh, I have to tell you, uh, Kristen and Timmy Ryan and Adam, those guys are all... Uh, they put their nose to the grindstone. I think Adam came in and worked overnights on KUFO or something, and then he was around all day doing something or else, and then he also worked some miles around, and then he did uh, musicology, and then he was back to work on KUFO overnights again. So, um, anyway, well done to those guys. It was really great. They came... Uh, yeah, they're like a three-person powerhouse. It was. They came out of the gate strong, man. The podcast isn't up. It'll be up uh, uh, later on, I think maybe this afternoon, and then, of course, it's on every Sunday from 7 to 9. They came out strong right out of the gate, as much as we sort of make fun of him for always name-dropping Dick Dale. Dick Dale came on, first guest, live on the phone, guitar legend. Uh, they had um, Joe Escalante from the Vandals on, oh, awesome. live phoner with him. Uh, they had Hal Blaine, who is a legendary studio drummer for the, for the Phil Spector's The Wrecking Crew. And there was only one drunken phone call from Timmy Ryan's quasi-girlfriend, Shelly. So that was great. Uh, anyway, so it was uh, so good. good times were had by all. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? What else do we have? Mad Men aired last night. I haven't watched it. Tim, have you seen it? I have not. See, and I'm glad that you haven't because I think I'm just going to have to buckle down and get cable because right now I'm just having to leech off everybody. Like every time a new Mad Men airs, it's like it, Laura and I are having to go find some friend of hers that has cable and saved Mad Men and will not mind us just squatting in their living room like some sort of entertainment-based homeless couple uh, just sitting there moving from house to house trying to catch up on our cable TV. The, the problem is, it's done at the same time as Cold Case Files. Is that true? Yes, my favorite CBS program. Yeah, so, and see, and good for you for being a CBS loyalist, Tim. I always have been. Keeping it in the family, that's what you do. Yep. Uh, Doesn't so, matter what they do to me, I'll always be a believer. <laughs> <laughs> no matter how often they crush our dreams, we'll keep crawling back. Uh, so, Madman last night, we'll talk to Peter Carlin about that. Uh, but I am just going to have to get cable, I realize, because... A, I can't picture you living without Well, it's, it's it's a savage existence. It really is. I mean, I've been sort of placating it, uh, or a phrase like that, with, uh, you know, DVD and catching up on stuff that I did. Maybe, you know, it was two, three seasons in. Like, I'm catching up on Breaking Bad. 
And what a freaky show that is. That's just a soul-wrenching exit. That's a Breaking Bad, which stars the guy, the dad from Malcolm in the Middle. That is just another one of, it, it's what Lara would call a very me show. And it's entertaining, but it's entertaining in the sense of having your soul set on fire and then kicked down a hill. I mean, it's just so traumatic to watch. Uh, but it's very, very well done. So I'm catching up on that. Uh, but we got to the Mad Men, which is airing right now, and then we got the final season of The Shield, which is going to be debuting in just a couple of weeks, and then we got the final season of Battlestar Galactica. Oi. I'm just saying, it's very difficult. I started so. watching this show this weekend. Have you ever heard of the show called My Boys? No. It's really funny. It's it's a good show. It's about a girl who's a sports writer, and all of her friends are dudes, and like she's, you know, whatever. This is a sitcom? Lady. I think so. I don't know. My friend Heather let me borrow the DVD. I think it's on currently. It's a it's a very smart show. I'm actually laughing out loud watching it. Excellent. So uh, might, you might want to give that a gander. I got to put it on the list of things. So I'm just gonna have to I'm just gonna have to buckle down and get cable at some point. Um, let's see. Yeah, so a couple brief notes here. Uh, let's see. Just a couple things about Friday, and then we'll move on to some stuff about today. And then I don't know if you guys heard the end of Dennis Miller's nine o'clock hour. I, I can't prove that he was a, a, from Portland. I don't think they said. I think they just said, like, hey, Jerry, you're on the Dennis Miller Show. I don't think they gave his, his hometown. Mm-hmm. There, there was a call at the end of today's Dennis Miller Show that was among the best things I've ever heard in my life. I mean, it was, and it was such an us call in a way. I'm going to sort of back it up here in the logger. Uh, and see if see if I can find it uh, because it was it was really exceptional. So we got that. Uh, Rick, this says just so you know, during the address, another loyal truck driver fed the feed through the CBS. Uh, for, I'm sorry, through the CB radio. So everybody within a 10 mile radius that was on channel 17 and 19 on Friday, the major ones used for truckers, all heard the Emerson address. Well done, thank you, sir. Uh, let's see, what else do we have? Um, uh, I have this. This is a guy named Joe just sent this in. Rick, a friend of mine just told me he ran into Monica Lewinsky in Portland five minutes ago. What, right today? Uh, well, this is actually on Friday, but presumably oh. she would still be here. And he says, maybe you can get her on the show. As you know, it's several bottles of whatever you drink if you can get Monica Lewinsky on the, uh, on the Rick Emerson show. Confess her long, simmering crush on me. So there you go. Uh, let's see. What else do I have here? I got one bad observation, one bad joke. What do you want to hear first? Observation or joke? It could be the same thing. Give well, me observation. I like to think they're both amusing. Oh. Okay, uh, here's the observation. Uh, somebody, and I'm looking at you, Taboo Adult Video, uh, some sort of novelty confectionery or candy company ought to make some sort of a tasty treat called Circus Penis. Did you tell me that yesterday, or did you say it on the air? I told you that on Friday. Friday. And okay. then I filed it away so the people could hear. Why should all the good humor be hogged by you, Sarah? Yes, Why true. should you have a monopoly on I my wit? I stop laughing Moving on. Uh, I have this observation last night. If I were a bad stand-up comedian, here is the kind of joke I would tell. In fact, if you are a bad stand-up comedian, and you probably are, if you're a bad stand-up comedian, uh, here's a dumb... uh, Dane Cook, I'm looking in your direction. Here's a joke you can use. I came up with this last night. Stephen Wright, also, you could use this. Picture this set in some sort of a deadpan delivery between long, meandering stories about how men and women are different when it comes to shopping. I used to pan for gold. Now I pan for dirt. It's immediately rewarding. There you go. And then if you're Dane Cook, you just say it five or six times in a row in escalating volume, and then you sort of run a hand through your hair and go, What's up? And then everybody screams and thinks you're a genius. Uh, What else do we have? Um... 
observation, just a cleaning up all my notes from this weekend. Uh, last night, as we were uh, nearing airtime for musicology, I was around in the building doing some stuff, and the death of Isaac Hayes came across the wire, and I heard Timmy Ryan scream down the hallway, the Lord took him on exactly the perfect day. So there you go. We got that, and uh, I think that may be it. I think that may be it for now, except to say that if you are a fan of Mad Men, Check out Men's Vogue, and it does really stagger the imagination that such a magazine even exists. Men's Vogue. Men's Vogue, which I don't really know if anybody was sort of clamoring for that, but there is a Men's Vogue magazine, and there's a fantastic shot of uh, the women of Mad Men. Uh, some of the chicks from Mad Men have done sort of a, you know, it's very sort of 50. You say a tasteful, but very, uh, I would say a tasteful, but sultry spread. Uh, there, so you ought, to, you ought to check that out. All right. Um, I think we've got some uh, phone calls to get here in a second. Uh, and then we will uh, then we will move on. Ooh, don't let me forget to talk about the Stations of the Cross thing. Uh, we're all good falling Catholics here. All right. Oh, uh, the, the thing that you brought back from Kennewick? Yeah, I haven't shown it to anybody yet. Uh, it's 503-733-2970 if you'd like to join us today. 503-733-2970. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. How can I help you? First yeah, caller Rick. of the week, setting the Rick. tone for the entire show. Everything yes. that comes after this, sir, will yes. bear the imprimatur of your observations. So Absolutely. please don't suck. I will not, Rick. Rick, black entertainers, two of them dead so far, Isaac Hayes, Bernie but, Mac. Well, and he tried, to get Morgan, he tried to get Morgan Freeman, but I think uh, he ducked at the last Oh, moment. my God, that's right. Yes. Uh, also, Mad Men. Rick, uh, man, I tuned in today just to hear your observations on Mad Men. It was so fantastic last night. Yeah, see, and every time we don't watch... Here's the thing, if I watch a show... Is guaranteed not to really be any sort of benchmark of cultural importance. If Tim and I miss it, though, it's always the episode in which 15 league characters were killed off. Don't tell and me anything about Rick, it. Rick, 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 I'm not going to... No, this is spoiler-free. All right. But there's an interesting twist on violence against women. Well, okay, then. All right, duly noted. I'm going to try to get it watched tonight, my friend. Oh, it's fantastic. All right, thank you, sir. Okay, and we're done. Uh, all right, so before we do anything, are we a couple minutes here? We should probably um, get to it on time right. because Steve Castamon's only available until 42. All right. Well, let's do this. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, uh, we got some more stuff coming up. we got uh, Steve Kastenbaum. We have Amanda Moyer. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Later on, top five love-making songs. Uh, let's see what else. Geek Watch, Penis Watch, Clergy Watch. Around the corner, I will play you just this little bit of the end of Dennis Miller where he got... Like the best call, uh, and if you you know if you're a regular listener, I think you will appreciate it even more. Uh, stay there. We're back after this. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Go nowhere. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. It's a little dim in the studio today. It is. I thought Matt was fixing that light bulb. No, apparently not. Well, he, mean, brought, he brought one in. Maybe it just didn't work. Maybe it's maybe it's not the light bulb. Maybe it's just the, uh, maybe it's the actual socket, which means that I can just do the show here from this. Uh, I mean, as di I'm not complaining about Matt. He does a great job. I'm just saying it's... This studio is dimly lit under the best of circumstances, which is really, which is fine. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I really do kind of like the fact that we have sort of ambient, kind of the mood lighting a great deal of the time. But the thing about it is, we, it, I think it works really well for us to have just enough lighting to get the job done. Yeah, you're in a dark corner. I can barely see you. That's what I'm saying. I'm just, when, earlier I was trying to read my list of what the hell was coming up on my own program, and I couldn't because it was just, it was just over here and inside what, uh, 
I'm inside what the what McLean Stevenson would have called uh, just a real big empty. Uh, so he came in and I saw him fiddling with the light earlier, but it didn't look as though it uh, doesn't look as though it. And these lights have a kind of weird planned obsolescence into them. I mean, I don't know whatever company makes these light bulbs, but they got job security for life because these things seem to go out about every 17 to 25 days. So, well, in any event, you know what it is. I mean, I'm what's a, so special about them? I don't really know the answer to that. I have, I have known, but but it does seem like these lights are made from some sort of a. It, it, because I don't think you can just take like a regular light off the shelf, like at Safeway or whatever, and be, be sticking it in there. Uh, all right. Well, in any event, I'm just saying I'm a professional. I, uh, I'm going to rise above it. That's all I'm going to. I'm going to play through the pain, ladies and gentlemen. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City, man of the world, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. How are you today? Oh, busy day, busy day today. Hey, by the way, congratulations on your uh, on your appearance on CNN television last night. I say that. And then immediately it leads you to believe that I watched it. Uh, let me just deflate all of that by saying that I didn't uh, because, A, I forgot about it until the very last moment and then realized, don't have cable, can't see it. So oh. that being said, I apologize, and I'm going to try to rustle myself up a copy uh, so that I can watch it. Better late than never when supporting one's colleagues and friends. Thank you. It, it's perfectly okay. It was a brief appearance. It was brief. But, but I'm, sure was... That it was, I'm sure it was meaty, though, weighted with impact. Oh, yes, yes, full of information. Well, all right then. Uh, I don't even I don't even know where where to start with this because we had uh, it was a kind of a a cyclone of news this weekend. I mean, really, just a whirlwind of information. So we had on Friday uh, John Edwards sort of deciding that 11:30 on Friday night, the same time the Olympics opened, was you know was was the right time to uh, you know to be revealing his love child or non-love child or mistress or ex-mistress or whatever the hell she was. So we had that going on, and then we had of course the Olympic ceremony, and I think. And there's some coach from one of the U.S. Olympic teams like got stabbed to death in Beijing. And I'll give or you a, a relative of uh, yeah, of an athlete actually. Yes. Yeah, that'll give you a black eye right off the uh, right off the bat. And then there was that story that came out yesterday that after this uh, huge all of this sort of adulation about whatever this massive pyrotechnic and firework display that they had that kicked off the whole ceremony, now it comes out that a whole bunch of it was faked, which I guess shouldn't really come as a surprise from a country that told us they were planning to shoot missiles into the clouds until the weather changed. <laughs> so all of that happens at the same time as this. Uh, Russia's... Uh, I'm not going to pretend to know more than I do. Just give me the lowdown here on what is this face-off between Russia and Georgia. Okay, there's been, a lo- there's been some tension between these two countries for a long time, ever since the Soviet Union collapsed. Uh, Georgia became uh, more friendly towards the West and uh, after a while exhibited a more liberal-type democracy than what we were seeing in Russia, right? So then there's these two regions within Georgia that want to break away from Georgia. They are more aligned with Russia, and uh, Russia gives one of them, South Ossetia, gives all the residents there uh, Russian passports so they can claim that they're Russian citizens and they need to be protected. Russia, Russian uh, troops become part of a peacekeeping force within this uh, region. Uh, all of this heats up and boils over. There were some, there were some military uh, skirmishes between the South Ossetia uh, separatists and the Georgian military. The Georgian military sort of clamped down on them, and then Russia came in full force with an entire army to intervene on behalf of uh, South Ossetia. They've now been uh, shelling uh, Georgian uh, locations outside of South Ossetia now, and there's been widespread condemnation from around the world. Unfortunately, in the U.N., it doesn't mean a lot because Russia's uh, ambassador has one of the permanent seats on the U.N. Security Council, so no uh, any sort of resolution 
condemning Russia will probably not get passed because it would be vetoed by Russia. And uh, everybody's calling for a ceasefire, but uh, Russia shows no signs of, of letting up anytime soon. And so in the U.N., Russia... Pardon me. Uh, in the U.N., Russia sort of has a, it's like having tenure or something or being a government employee. There's just a, there's, there's no persuading them if they don't want to be persuaded. Yeah. There's, over the years, there, there has been uh, a lot of um, there have been a lot of incidents like this because both the United States and Russia hold permanent seats on the Security Council. So, you know, as often happens, their uh, their interests are in conflict. So you can't get them to agree on something. And so I, I, here's a question, because you have the Soviet Union, you have the collapse of the Soviet Union, and you hear these stories sort of all the time about how the former Soviet Union, or Russia anyways, you sort of into all these terrible financial straits, and just that the country can't, you know, is rife with corruption even more so than before, and that, uh, you know, there's guys selling uh, warheads out of the back of a truck, you know, on the Ukrainian border or whatever. So... Here's a dumb question, not to sound flip about it, but I mean, is the is is I mean, is the Russian army at this point? I mean, is the Russian military force the the, the real deal? Are they still no joke? Oh, they're back, and that's what all, what all these military uh, analysts are are saying, and they're watching this very closely to see how much they've come back. You know, Russia makes a lot of money now off of all of these uh, oil deposits that were discovered and that they're they've been uh, drilling for for uh, a long time now. And uh, the backstory to this is a lot of uh, analysts in the region say this really doesn't have to do with uh, separatism by a small group of people. It has more to do with with energy. There's an oil pipeline that runs through Georgia and sort of bypasses Russia to get the oil to uh, Western Europe. And now they want to build a, a natural gas line through Georgia to do the same thing. And uh, other analysts say this is more about Russia reexerting its dominance over the region, that they're not about to let uh, a nation right on its border become a NATO member state, and that's why they've gone in to uh, intervene. There were allegations in the U.N. Security Council that the U.S. put forth that uh, Russia's intent was uh, a regime change in Georgia and that they were targeting civilians in a terror campaign. Russia's representative really did not take kindly to that statement, and there were some very uh, tense exchanges between the two yesterday. I, and I got to run here in a second, but I will just ask one final question here, which is that when I was sort of uh, growing up, and you know we're about the same age, there was a time when any sort of movement like this by the then Soviet Union, immediately everybody just starts digging ditches in their backyard and you know laying in a year's supply of canned goods to hide out from the uh, the nuclear blast. So it, is this the kind of thing that's probably going to uh, is this going to escalate uh, quickly even further, or is it going to be contained to this to this one face-off? Do you think? It's hard to say right now. Uh, the, the folks that are demonstrating outside the U.N., the Georgians that I was just talking to moments ago, they seem to think that if we don't stop, uh, if the world doesn't stop Russia here, that it will spill over into other countries. Today is Georgia, and who's next? Russia will never stop until it stops from, I mean, the whole world needs to, to do this together. We need peace, and we need to get out. Russia, from my land, from my country. We need more than the resolution. We need more than just verbal support. Well, that's what they're saying out there, Rick. And on that note, I I have to go. Yeah, all right. Uh, I know it's a busy day for you, brother. We will talk to you very soon. Thank you, Steve. Thank you so much. There you go, Steve Kastenbaum. All right. It's all very unnerving. Strange times, my friend. Uh, speaking of times, wait, let me let me look. I want to double check on something here because I... uh, Did you want me to pull it down? Uh, no, 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 it's fine. Uh, oh, I'll play that Dennis Miller cut. Thank yeah. you, I forgot about that. I'll play that here in a second, but uh, let's see here. So I want to make sure that we have that we have this correct. So this, let me let me see if Bridget is at her desk. Give me just one second here. I can't even see the phone. 
Look at you. You can't even pass. Well, that's clearly... Let me try it again. Maybe I'm misdialing. Let's try this again. Jesus, it's like looking at black numbers on a black background in a room filled with black. Hello, this is Bridget. Hi, Bridget. It's Rick Emerson. How are you today? <laughs> Good. How are you? Hey, thanks again for all your help on Friday. You guys are the bee's knees. Yeah, you're welcome. Anytime. Uh, so I just want to make sure I'm correct about this. Today, are we? Is this, this week's giveaways, are we doing the uh, the AST Do Tour tickets, family four-packs? Yes. All right, because Richie was trying to float some gibberish about how it had already happened. No, it, no it's, it's next week. It's <laughs> Richie, the 21st to the crazy. 24th. Richie, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I hold on, Richie. Come in here to the studio for a second. All right. Well, we're going to sort of clarify this one because we're going to play Richie Bristol trivia uh, here in just a short while. But I want to make sure that everybody is on the same page. Already, it's going good. Well, it is appropriate today. He's wearing his kids of Whitney High shirt, so you know, <laughs> draw your own conclusions. All right, Richie. What was your question to Bridget about this giveaway? Oh, isn't the Do, Do Action Sports Tour like a week long? It didn't start yesterday. No, it starts on the 21st and ends on the 24th. So not much, not so much yesterday is in like two weeks. I got invited to the tour yesterday. Did you get invited to the Warp Tour yesterday? Oh, is that something that different? Yeah. <laughs> They're all a tour. What, what the heck? The little different. He's Richie Bristol, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Believe it or not, yeah. he actually holds all of your your fates in his uh, in his hands for giveaways. All right, thank you, Bridget. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, you Richie. All right, so Richie Bristol. All right, so here the, the, I will forward this to you, but the the giveaways here uh, are uh, family four-packs for the AST Do Tour happening August 21st to the 24th, featuring the greatest talent in skateboarding, BMX, and freestyle motocross. Sweet. All right, there you go. How was your weekend, Richie? Uh, great. Was it really great? That sounds very was it, sort of... Was it wearing a thong the next day great? That no. Sounds, that sounds obligatory. Well, like at 4 o'clock, I took, laid down to take a nap, uh -huh. and I woke up at midnight. And then I realized... A fascinating story. Thank you for sharing what, that with what, us. What, last night? Yeah, I went to took a nap yesterday at 4 o'clock, and I ended up uh, waking up like at midnight, and then I woke up, and I didn't go back to bed, so kind of didn't sleep. So you've been night. up since midnight? Yeah. What I did yesterday by Richie Bristol. All right. Good I have, talk, I have forwarded you that giveaway information. So uh, we're going to play this Dennis Miller call. We, we may... We may have time to do a round of Richie Bristol trivia here before we talk to Amanda Moyer. Sweet. So be listening for details, Richie Bristol. Okay. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Amanda Moyer will join us from the CNN Center in Atlanta. Uh, just to... How's your leg doing over oh, there? Oh, man. I Is it the kind of bruise that hurts? No, one side hurts now more than the other. The, the really gnarly one that's all, you know, like purple and blue, that side doesn't hurt as bad as the other side does. Let me ask you this. If... So you've, you've got these... I'll have Richie take pictures of them. You really have to. So you got these bruises on the back of your legs. So, but I mean... Because when you walk or, you know, you ride your bike or anything like that, yeah, I mean, your legs are sort of... No, because it's, yeah, it's below my... So it's not like an ongoing kind of a pain. Yeah, no, it's like... But I think I messed with it yesterday because I was, I was bending over a lot to, um, you know, work on the soapbox car and, like, right. picking it up and stuff, so... Yeah, they really, they are pretty cool. I mean, it's the symmetrical nature of them, I think, that makes them truly impressive. No, it's like someone just took, like, a bamboo stick and whacked me across it's, the back of the exactly. legs. Exactly. You look like Michael Fay. <laughs> There's a uh, 1995 for reference for you there. All right, uh, so we'll do Richie Bristol trivia here in just a second. In fact, uh, Richie, I think we'll take this call, then we will take uh, caller number five for Richie Bristol trivia. Uh, at 503-733-2970. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Thanks so much for calling. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll take caller number five here for Richie Bristol Trivia uh, for a pa uh, family pack of tickets to the AST Do Tour. Caller number five uh, right now, 503-733-2970. In the meantime, I'm going to play this Dennis Miller call. So this happened 
this morning, I mean, just before uh, the recap hour started, I was up in my office doing some stuff, uh, listening to the station, as I always do, uh, enjoying the fine mix of current events and comedy that is the Dennis Miller Show. And at about 9.58, he does that kind of same thing we do where you know, he'll come up with an odd amount of time at the end of the show. And he's, he's nothing, you know, too short to put a big segment into, but too long to just sort of freestyle. So he'll just do calls. <clears throat> and he'll do this sort of Deus, Dennis X Machina thing, I call it, where he, he calls it, where he just takes. I'm sorry, I got something in my throat. Give me one second. Okay. <clears throat> it's like a thing. You know what I mean? Did you like, want to go out in the hallway and cough? So no, 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 it's fine. But, you, but it's not even, it's not like a thing, from, it's not a thing from inside me, sir. It's like, if you ever, do you ever like eat like a dry breakfast cereal or something, like like shredded wheat, and there's like the one tiny piece of shredded wheat that doesn't quite swallow, yep. and it's just sort of there like a bristle. Um, anyway, so he it takes random calls to the end of the hour, and I can't prove that this call was one of our listeners, but I mean, it wouldn't really surprise me. And the thing is, the call's completely real, too. You can tell that there's no put-on happening. Tell me how much this call to the Dennis Miller Show sounds like any number of sort of fabricated or recreated or theoretical conversations we have had on the air. Mm-hmm. kind of radio. Uh, let's see. Uh, Dave in Wisconsin. How are Wisconsin. you, Dave? Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. Wait a second. Go slow there, baby. I didn't even hear that. Well, you came at me like some... I said... Shiny, which is a slang term for great used in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. All right. God's Wheaton vehicles. Okay, Davey, thanks for the call. Let's go to David in West Virginia. How great is that? Oh, wow. How fantastic is that? Wow, that guy. So I guess he's probably not one of our listeners unless he's listening yeah. online because he's in Wisconsin. Let's hear that one more time. Then we'll uh, talk to Amanda Moyer. The radio. Uh, then we'll uh, uh, Bristol trivia. Wisconsin. How are you, young Dave? Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. Wait a second. Go slow there, baby. I didn't even hear that. Well, you came at me like some... I said shiny, which is a slang term for great used in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. <laughs> All right. God's Wheaton vehicles. Okay, Davey. Thanks for the call. Let's go to David in West Virginia. That is just... I love that Dennis Miller doesn't even know what to do with that. He's like, okay. You know, but he does exactly the right thing. He just uh, he just cuts bait. And just, he just, you know, he just cuts the Gordian knot and moves forward. Mm-hmm. That is fantastic. And here's what's especially fantastic about it. Uh, what did is he say? Shiny? Shiny, which is, which, which is a slang term for... I'm not going to do it. But it is a slang term from Serenity. That you are doing Josh it. Josh Whedon vehicle. It's a massively multiplayer online role-playing game. Uh, we'll get to Amanda Moyer in like five seconds. But I, but, uh, apparently, because I was in and out of my office this morning, but apparently Dennis must have used the phrase shiny or maybe another caller said, hey, that's really shiny, man. And he must have said, like, what do you mean or mm. what's that about? Because this guy is calling up to clarify that. Ponson, how are you, young Dave? Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. Which is like the best thing I've ever heard. So uh, there you go. Fantabulous, ladies and gentlemen. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the CNN Letter uh, Fiat. Wow. <laughs> to put you back on hold, Amanda, I'm going to do that again. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta, home of the world's largest escalator and former home of the Sid and Marty Croft amusement land, Amanda Moyer. Hello, how are you? That's right. Hi, I'm well. How are you? I'm shiny. Uh, so let me ask you this question about science and technology. So is it true that this is the Hubble Space Telescope we're talking about, and it celebrated its 10,000th something or other today? 100,000th lap around the Earth. So 
Here's the thing about the Hubble Space Telescope. Uh, there's a couple of things. A, everybody who is my age or older remembers that when they first launched the Hubble Telescope, that they, I think it's that whole thing of like, they put it all together and then they forgot to hit focus or something on it. Like they shot it. Didn't they, they just spent all of this time like grinding the mirror and the lens and the glass and they shot it into space and like, didn't the thing like not even work? At first, that's, that's right. It was called the black eye because the mirror didn't work on it. They didn't ground it to the right level, and they had to, re- to fix it before it actually could we could see the pictures. I believe there is something to be said for uh, you know measure five hundred times, cut once. So what did they? And maybe you can speak to this. Maybe you can. So they spend all this time and money uh, shooting the Hubble Space Telescope up there. It they then realize that it can't actually see anything because they ground it wrong. I mean. How do you, I mean, what do you just like stick a big contact lens or something in the front of that? How do you even fix such a problem? Well, it was actually built so it could be, there could be um, additions put on it and it could be improved over the years. And um, it cost $1.5 billion when it was launched in 1990. And they sent it up there. And what's been going on is every so often a crew of astronauts goes up and makes changes. And that's actually going to happen again in October. There's a seven-member crew. It's going to be the last time a crew goes up there, and they're going to uh, make all kinds of changes and add some instruments onto it so Hubble can actually see further. And that's going to happen October 8th. So here's a dumb question. What are we using the Hubble Space Telescope to look at? Well, basically stars. and uh, they, But it has made a number of discoveries, though. Uh, let's see. Well, it found evidence of dark energy. It brought a lot of the distant galaxies that we now know of. And it's done a number of other things, too. But basically, the most interesting part of it is it just, as it sweeps around the Earth, it shoots off pictures, and then we get to see them. You know, the really weird thing about this, and this is when I realized that my interest in science is so outstripped by my ignorance of science and by the tininess of my brain, uh, that occasionally they will talk about whether it's the Hubble telescope or whether it's some other telescope, and they will say things like, this telescope is being used to peer into the furthest reaches of time. And then I, I look at that and I realize that somewhere in the world there's a guy, probably in a wheelchair speaking with a voice box, who understands what that means. And I really don't. And so I just have to sort of trust them at their word that they're not just making things up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, other than Stephen Hawking. <laughs> seriously, these, these stories, it's, it's sort of like, um, you know, I heard somebody say one time, I forget who, there was a comedian who was talking about visiting the Playboy Mansion at one point, a party there. And he said that he never realized that he was poor until he visited Hugh Hefner's house. I never realized how dumb I am until I read a story about a telescope that is actually being used to look at time. It just makes no sense to me at all. But I'm, I'm assured by the fact that there are people there who know what they're doing. There are. And, you know, actually, a lot of people don't realize all of this space stuff is going on and and but I think it's interesting though when when you do see the pictures and they they bring it up it's amazing what they've done with technology over the last 50 years. It really is. All right, CNN radio correspondent Amanda Moyer, may the rest of your afternoon be uh, satisfying and we'll talk to you at some point in the near future. Thanks, sounds Thank good. Thank you, Amanda Moyer, ladies and gentlemen. All right. That's like when they talk about telescopes, well this telescope is going to be used to peer back and to see the origins of the Big Bang. And it's I don't ever just say, that's you're making that up. It's impossible. Because then that makes me sound like some nitwit from Kansas who's like clutching, you know, like a Bible and a gun. Uh, but it just, but it's one of those things that really you just have to, at a certain point, I think the difference between myself and probably the other people on this program and maybe most of the fine people in the audience, the difference between myself and, let's say, all the residents of Idaho is that when I'm sort of confronted by scientists who are talking about doing something that I find to be fundamentally insane sounding, I just sort of have to look at the degree in the wall and go, well, I, 
Okay. Well, I guess mm. I guess you're telling me. I mean, I have no choice but to assume you're telling me the truth. So, uh, you know, go. It's like when you hear Stephen Hawking again, and I and I'm proud to say I don't have a photo, but I'm proud to say that I actually saw Stephen Hawking speak one time, which is sort of interesting. I mean, when you consider the fact that him speaking is basically. He just sort of stands up there and hits the go button on He just, all right, and now a speech by Stephen Hawking. Bam! And he hits like a big red button that says, like, start. And, and then That's he just, true. And then he just sort of stares blankly with his, like, big fish eyes in the audience. And then at the end, you kind of go, that's great. Well, well done. That's, uh, okay. You know, and then he realized you really could have just, you know, like, you could have just stayed at home and have Microsoft Sam give you the same speech. But, um, side note to a side note to a side note before we do Richie Bristol trivia. A... Uh, when I saw uh, Stephen Hawking speak, it was at, in Salt Lake City, of all places, which is not like the most forward-thinking town on Earth when it comes to science and technology and evolution and whatever. Um, and for some reason, I think it was a radio station event. I think it was sponsored by either a TV station or a radio station. And they had sold in, because, you know, radio and TV stations, God bless them, never met anything they couldn't sell like a sponsorship to. Uh, and so they had sold in Salt Lake City, they had sold the sponsorship of Stephen Hawking. I mean, live, like actually the Stephen Hawking on stage at, I think, the University of Utah or someplace, giving a speech about, like, black holes and wormholes and just space, time, folding and tunnels and, and just a super string theory. And it was sponsored literally by a used car lot. And it was like it was like Bob's, Bob's you know, automotive house of value presents Stephen Hawking. So they get this guy, Bob, who owns the used car lot. He comes up on stage. I'm Bob from Bob's Automotive Household Value. Thank you for coming on out to the University of Utah. I hope you all have a good time this afternoon. And right now, uh, I'd like to remind you, we got our uh, summer spectacular sale going on where you uh, come on in. And uh, we have free hot dogs and popcorn and uh, used cars that uh, you're not going to find anywhere else. And now, I, and then this is the, really the, the money line when he says, Now I'd like to introduce a pretty bright fella. Stephen Hawking. Oh, there you go. Boy. A used car salesman introducing Stephen Hawking in Utah as, quote, a pretty bright fella. Well, in any event. So uh, when, when a scientist says things like that exist, like when Stephen Hawking starts talking about, I think part of his speech was, and I really don't mean to start a whole fight about time travel and how great that this program even can use such a phrase, but at, at one point Stephen Hawking is doing that, you know, he's, and so we can see that if tunnels link parallel universes together, time travel is possible and only a matter of generating sufficient energy to exceed the speed of light in terms of acceleration. And you're sitting there in the audience realizing that there's a guy on stage actually telling you that if we just have an engine that goes fast enough, we can actually time travel. And at that point, you are at what uh, Indiana Jones uh, referred to as the leap of faith. One must either walk forward or one must turn around and go back home and, uh, you know, watch Davy and Goliath. It's time to play Richie Bristol Trivia, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see if I can... Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, time for another round of Richie Bristol Trivia in which you test uh, your knowledge of Richie Bristol, phone screener, uh, production assistant, and all-around great guy. So are these uh, things that people would know if they'd listened to the show? Uh, not really. I think, I mean, some of them we may have discussed, uh, but I think some of them are, have not been discussed previously. Let me see, where did I put my trivia question? Hold on. Stay tuned, won't you please? Oh, for the love of God. All right, here we go. Okay. Let's see, where are we going here? Uh, this is a uh, caller, let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. How are you, sir? 
I'm doing great. I was waiting for you to uh, say it was Larry H. Miller who uh, who was sponsoring it because he owns half that town that the LDS Church doesn't own down yeah. there. Larry Miller does. Uh, Larry Miller does stand aside uh, Utah like Colossus. There's just no doubt about that, my friend. No, it was. It literally was some guy who ran like a used car lot. It was like you know Crazy Ted's World of Wheels or something. So well, you know, we've all. Everyone's got to put uh, mana on the table somehow. All right, are you ready to play Richie Bristol Trivia? Hit me with it. All right, so at stake today, uh, a family pack of AST Do Tour tickets. The first day of the AST Do Tour, uh, August 21st to 24th is when this happens, featuring the greatest talent in skateboarding, BMX, and freestyle motocross. Tickets on sale now through Comcastix.com. That is C-O-M-C-A-S-T-I-X, Comcastix.com. All right, my friend. I'm going to give you multiple choice Richie Bristol trivia. Are you ready? Ready. All right. Got this here in front of me. <clears throat> All right. I'm going to give you this. One of these, I repeat, one of these is false. You must tell me which of these is false. Do you understand? Yes, sir. All right. Here we go. Number one. Richie only wears his underwear once and then throws them out. He can afford this because his sister works at Macy's. Two, Richie enjoys eating a strange Vietnamese fruit that smells like sewage. Three, Richie has no sense of smell due to a chemical accident when he was younger. Two of these things are true, one of them is false. Which of those statements is false, sir? I'm going to go with number one. Richie only wears his underwear once and then throws them out. He can afford this because his sister works at Macy's. Is this your final answer, sir? Yes, sir. Congratulations. That is, in fact, false. Uh, Richie does... But it seems like it could be true. But it seems like it could be true because his sister does work at Macy's. Uh, and he does have a weird sort of thing about his clothes. But uh, that is, in fact, false, my friend. To the best of my knowledge, he doesn't wear any underwear at all. Uh, yes. All right. You were... You are going to see the uh, ASD Dude Tour on the opening day, a family four-pack. That happens August 21st to the 24th. Tickets on sale now through com. I'll put you on hold, Richie. We'll get your information. Congratulations, my friend. Thank you, and thank you for the address. Oh. I much needed it. My friend, thank you. It, uh, it comes uh, came from the heart, so thank you for listening. All right, there you go. Richie, if you want to get that guy's information, congratulations, sir. More of those as the week progresses. Uh, we will come back in a moment with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Later on, Cena Radio correspondent James Roop. Top five love-making songs. Double Snuff Watch, Geek Watch, Clergy Watch, Penis Watch. It's all on the way. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Program. The Rick Emerson radio program. Aha! There is lights. Excellent. Wonderful. There is indeed. All right. During the uh, break, we had a little bit of a. Uh, so the so the engineers came in, they replaced the lights, and then literally like 30 seconds later, apparently it just burned out again. Those things are dollar store items anyway. I was just saying, planned obsolescence, man. All right. It's back. Okay, I'm gonna. Just, you know, here's that. I'm not gonna get emotionally attached to it though, because it could, it could go out again. It's, it's only a light bulb. Dim. Have you noticed that? It is. No, there's something. I think maybe it's you. I think I'm projecting my inner darkness onto everything around me. I've become some sort of a white dwarf from which no light can escape, or a black uh, something or other. 
I'm a something or other something. All right, thank you, my friends. I'll shut the door on my way. All right, oh, we're gonna go. CBS Radio right. Engineering, ladies and gentlemen. We'll spend the rest of the show staring at light bulbs, no. waiting for them to burn up. Well, the weird thing is, and this is the last thing I'll say about the light bulbs. So I came in there, light bulb burned out. You promise this will be the last thing about the light bulbs? I want to hear more. All <laughs> light bulb all the time, please. You know, I can't quite tell if one of you is being sarcastic and the other one's being serious. Tim sounds like he might actually be interested in light bulb discussion. I am. All right, it happens to me. In your face, Sarah Dillon. So, oh, uh, but so I came in today, light bulb gone, and as we said, the, the, the studio is always. It, I like the sort of dim ambient lighting we have in here, but of course the problem is that we keep it just bright enough to do our, you know, to do the gig, and then if one of them goes out though, then you're just you're into like, you know what I mean? We have no reserve. Maybe right? you expect Elvira to come up from behind the black curtain. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. With their hands outstretched. <laughs> Vampire. The kind of creepy, actually. Uh, and so this light bulb was out. So Matt came in, put in a new light bulb. I didn't see this, but he came and put in a new light bulb. And apparently that one, because I came in and the light bulb was out, and I thought, well, they never replaced it. Apparently he did, and that one, no lie, burned out in less than five minutes this morning. In less than five minutes? He put it in, and five minutes later, it was burnt out. So now, of course, I'm wondering if I'm standing underneath, like, some dangerously overloaded, uh, you know, like, light fixture. You can tell when they're going to go, they make a mosquito-like noise. It happens in my house all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, clunk. So they just put another one in. So the thing is, I'm not going to get any emotional investment into it, though. I'm going to assume I'm going to have separation anxiety about it. So otherwise, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to break the, I'm going to dump the light before it can dump me. I love this light bulb. I love light. Um, <laughs> one final observation, then we'll uh, do the news hour about lights. Have you noticed this? That uh, I don't know if it's gotten better since I was going to school, but that they had this thing about fluorescent lights, you know, the big tube kind of fluorescent lights they would have in classrooms. And it's like the fluorescent lights would give us this this, this weird sort of low-level vibrating flickering hum. And the sole purpose of it seemed to be to make your mind snap after about five or six hours. Like you'd be sitting there in the classroom trying to memorize multiplication tables or idioms or diphthongs or something. And you're sitting there and all the fluorescent lights in the classroom are going... And after a while, it's like you just want to break down into helpless tears in the classroom. I almost think it's like some sort of weird, like, Guantanamo-esque mind control trick that they do in American schools. But then again, maybe I'm just paranoid. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. So the latest headlines from Georgia. The Yankees have burned Atlanta. No, this is a different Georgia. The Russian forces have cut Georgia in half. That sounds like something the Russians would do. Bring people in with axes and cutting a, a country in half. But it says here they have cut the country in half. I don't know how. Also, um, a Georgian fighter says, I can't wait to taste Russian blood. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. So it begins. Really? This is like... This... I can't wait to drink Russian blood. Everybody's heading to Minas Tirith right now. All right. So uh, we'll To the back... keep! We'll get back to that a little bit later. This could turn into be their Iraq. I mean, I'm not trying to make light of it, but I mean, Jesus. I mean, it's like, you know... The uh, Russians want to flex their muscles. They haven't had a good war in a long time, and now's the time for it. They have money again. Can I, do I speak? Do I speak for all of us, Tim, when I say this is Russians doing what Russians do? Yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, really, this. You know, <laughs> they they like to conquer things. And, and it is a downsized Russia. I, well, you know, they, they, they only have half the population they once had. They got to start building the empire back up. Yep. You know what I mean? It's because sort of, that's what they do. It's sort of like you know when you're when you're riding really big. At, it's exactly like this. When you're riding really big at the craps table, you lose your stack. You got to you know you got to work your way back up from nothing. So that's what Russia's doing. Uh, you know, England will undoubtedly be next. Be planting flags everywhere. So uh, it's just, uh, you know, 
I can't wait to taste Russian blood. Is that That's what, what it says really? here? Yeah. Jesus. And again, I'm the, and we really can't help them because it, this place is right in the middle of one of those Barat countries. Sure. Well, and what are we going to do? Gonna, I, we, yeah, the the country spell with, with ten Z's and X's <laughs> that no one can pronounce. And then the O with the line through uh-huh. it. Um, the uh, but I, and, the, and do you ever see uh, some like uh, names where it's it's not like an umlaut, but it's like a letter with a little check mark over it? Mm-hmm. What the hell does that mean? You're oh, supposed to do but, when there's a check mark over a letter. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what you're supposed that, to do when there's an umlaut. A, well, in, in uh, some of the Eastern European countries, that has an SH sound. Really? It's over C. Because there's that guy, that actor, Ivan uh, Zalevniko, I think his name is. He was on uh, he was on Oz, and he was on Homicide Life on the Street. He plays Bobby Kennedy in the Rat Pack movie. Mm-hmm. But his name is Zelikov. And one of his... One of the letters in his name got like a check mark over it, uh, which is like a thing they. I think he puts it there just to screw with you because he knows that it'll confuse you. So, a, there's nothing we can do because it's surrounded by a bunch of other countries we're not going to tromp through. B, the U.S. military does seem to be a little overextended at the moment. Mm. And B, no, C, it's the lack of light. Uh, seasonal affective disorder is uh, plaguing me here in the studio. Uh, C. It doesn't really seem like we're in a position of moral authority to be lecturing another country about going into some place they weren't invited and sort of starting to occupy. I don't really know that we can be making a lot of lectures about that right now. Uh, and also, we probably don't want to antagonize the Russians because it does seem like they're in a uh, seems like they're in a bit of a feisty mood right now. So they're, they're feeling their oats. Everything uh, they have oil. What does that mean when you're feeling your oats? Well, I, I don't. Know. I mean, I know what the implication is. It means that one is. Wait, is feeling your oats the same thing as sowing your oats? Yeah, no, no, sowing your oats is different. Is that the sex? Yes. What is feeling your oats? That's before the sex. <laughs> For the lack of sex. I don't want to feel your oats. <laughs> it makes sense to me. Woman, bring your oats in here. I need me some sex. I don't even know what it means. It's. It doesn't make any sense. Sowing, okay. He's out there sowing his wild oats. First of all, that doesn't make any sense. Feeling you your put, oats, though. Put, put, then there's hollow oats. <laughs> Feeling hollow oats. I'm going to be sowing me some hollow oats later. Um, and Quaker oats. The, the uh, oh, uh, I think that's it. I don't think I have any more. The wild oats. Oh, wait. Uh, John David oats. Oh, Tannenbaum. No, I got nothing. But, I mean, sowing wild oats, at least I can see that there's some sort of a direct sexual mm-hmm. euphemism there. Sowing one seed and so forth. Feeling your oats doesn't even make any sense. I mean, what would be the possible purpose of feeling an oat? I mean, really, what are you doing with that? Is it just, what does it Personal feel like? satisfaction, I suppose. For you? Well, no, not me. Is groping a big bag of oats really all that satisfying? I've never had a bag of oats. Have you ever had oats of any kind? Uh, You've had Quaker oats. You're Quaker from New England. Don't lie. No, I do have Quaker oats just about every morning. We're going to take this whole conversation. With blueberries. Out and blueberries are in season. <laughs> I'm going to loop this whole conversation and make it our HD channel. Uh, my point was, everything old is new again, and it really does seem like this is just... I mean, you and I both lived through the Cold War, and Sarah lived through the very end of it. I mean, it was a, you know, it was a freaky time, man. I mean, the, the Cold War was it, was... it was not pleasant. We, can, we sort of make fun of it sometimes now because it was theoretically over for a while. But, I mean, it was a stressful time. It was like the Soviet Union was just constantly bombing things and kicking things over and invading things. And then we just got ourselves into one big, you know, sort of, got into one sort of big, you know, treasure of the Sierra Madre, good, bad, and the ugly standoff with those guys that just lasted forever. And it was it was a stressful thing. So, 
You know, there there really is no salvation for this planet of ours. None at all. Here's Tim Riley. So uh, let's take a look. Uh, we'll get back to Georgia in just a few minutes if it's still there. A vehicle was smashed through a guardrail in Portland during a police chase early this morning. Uh, this happened on I-5 and two walls, and the chase ended about seven miles later on Southwest Taylor's Ferry Road near 20th Place. The suspect vehicle plunged over an embankment, rolled into a ravine, and hit a guardrail. This driver faces serious charges uh, once he's released from hospital. According to the police, he was driving under the influence, had a suspended license, he drove recklessly, failure to obey a stop, failure to wear a seatbelt, or follow an emergency vehicle too slowly. They spent an hour trying to get him out of a smashed vehicle. And uh, that's all we know. He's transported to OHSU, and they're going to try to put him back together again. This news is brought to you by Lace Auto Collision Centers. <laughs> find us in collision repairs. Go to Lace.com and find out what Lace can do for you. Of course it is. Technology is moving prostitution into the suburbs. Dateline Tigert. <laughs> Tigert police officers have busted 16 prostitutes based on arrangements made over the Internet. Apparently, the operation led officers into everyday neighborhoods where people would not normally, uh, well, they wouldn't have prostitution there. They arrested 22-year-old Chanel Carlson. She's accused of twice forcing a 15-year-old girl to work with her at the Motel 6 into Wallington. Does the story use the phrase, tiger tail? Oh, maybe we should. All right. They used uh, such websites as the Craigslist, the MySpace, and the Facebook, as well as cell phones and texting messages and helping push prostitution into suburban neighborhoods. Prostitutes are selling their wares directly to John's Online, eliminating the middleman or pimp. So uh, the pimp for the uh, new millennium is Craigslist. They're also uh, making themselves very vulnerable because they don't know the history of the place they're going to or the person they're encountering. So I guess uh, pimps should come back in this style any time. It's very dangerous, said someone about prostitution. Uh, somebody found a newborn baby in a field next to the Gateway Fred Meyer in Northeast yesterday. A neighbor was walking his dogs, went into a field to investigate because the animals would not stop barking. They thought it was a kitten. Shortly after they found the baby, they located a 29-year-old woman in the area. A lady confirmed she was the mother. The baby was found in the field. She said uh, she wasn't sure that she was pregnant until she gave birth. Oh, so I guess she's positive now. The pregnancy, she says, is a mystery. So someone's uneducated about certain things. She left the baby in the field and went to a nearby home to wash off with a garden hose. Are you kidding me? No. This happened here? Yeah. In Northeast Portland, yeah. by the gateway of Fred Meyer. Uh-huh. She didn't know she was pregnant until a baby came out of her. The the pregnancy was a mystery, she, she said. She left the baby in a field. Yeah. First of all, I, there's so many things about this story I don't understand. A, WTF. B, I mean, really. She's 29. Where do these people come from? Northeast. Where? Or Southie. I was going to say. I, would, I say that answer. Once you cross the Hawthorne Bridge, I you that, may find many cases of such things. I asked that question and I already knew the answer to it, I suppose. Um, but, it, I mean, the other thing is, I don't even know how the mechanics of that work. So did she just lay down in the field and shove the baby out? Well, we don't know that yet. You know, in the movies, they always make it seem like it's real tough. Like it takes about, you know, I was in labor for 49 hours. Mm-hmm. How is it that these idiot girls who don't know they're pregnant... They're never the ones who it's like a 15-hour labor and they got to, like, boil hot water and do a thing or whatever. They're always the ones who are just walking along, in, walking along at the, uh, you know, at the Safeway, you know, bu- buying, you know. Go out, buy a big gulp and then have a baby. That's what I mean. They're just there in the cereal aisle and a baby falls out of them. Mm-hmm. I just don't even understand how that works. Secondly, I don't mean to be gross. Well, because they're lying. What do you mean? I mean, like, those people who say that they don't know that they're pregnant, they're just not 
taking responsibility for the fact that they're knocked up. I think that they're just they're lying. That I think I mean, they are a, aware. I mean, is it? Ah, uh, never mind. I don't need. I was going to start well, getting into the people always lying about the obvious. Trying to get into the psychology no of matter, a woman who leaves her baby in a field. Right. And they'll continue to not die any wrongdoing. And continue to have babies most of the time. Well, this, uh, this might be only our first one for all we know. Oh. Oh, Tim. by the way, it is not against the law to drop off a newborn baby at any medical fire or police facility. But this wasn't that. This was a field. Well, that's true. So uh, here's the logistic question. I don't mean to be gross. No, but, that is a good question. But, I mean, she pushes the baby out. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I hate to, to be all this, but, I mean, it, there's more. Like, it... You're not a, you're not like that birth and me babe, Barbie or whatever, where the stomach comes off and you just like take the baby out and you put the stomach back on. I mean, there's stuff, right? I mean, there's like the, the, an umbilical cord. Like after birth. Well, yeah. and the placenta and there's the, but I mean, the umbilical cord. Like, don't you have to cut that? Yeah. Well, she said she washed herself off with a garden hose at a nearby home. But I mean, she pushes the baby out and then you, you have, have to, to like, like separate the baby. Yeah, right? because the mom is connected to the baby. This as should be obvious to everybody. Mm-hmm. The mom is connected to. So I mean, was there somebody there with her? Did she? Is she? Did, did oh, she I'm take along the appropriate implements with her? I'm just trying to figure out exactly what kind of premeditation there was to this. Because of her, if she truly is walking along and the baby just falls out of her, which I think we all know is unlikely. That's I suppose one thing. But if she's premeditating, okay, let me see. I gotta get me some uh, forceps and a band aid, maybe a rag to bite on, maybe some, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe a light snack. I mean, then that indicates that she's premeditating going to the field and pushing a baby out, which seems to me like it's a crime on any kind of you know number of levels. And then she leaves the baby there and goes and hoses herself off with a garden hose at a friend's house. Yes. Well, we don't know if it's a friend or not. It could have been a stranger's garden hose. Whatever. Hey, my pelvis is covered in blood. Can I come in? Jesus. God damn. Maybe she didn't ask. I hate people. So she hasn't been charged with a crime so far. Are you kidding me? Wait, it's a crime that she's a mother, really. Oh, she's in the book. Hold on. Hold on. I was going to leave her out of the book until you told me they hadn't even charged her with it. How can you not be charged with something? You're leaving a baby in a field. Oh, for the love of God. All right, hold on. Field baby woman. Well, <laughs> they don't have her name. Is her name there? No. Field baby, because why on earth? She's 29. She should know better. Seriously, and why on earth would you want to reveal her name so that somebody else might think twice before before sowing your wild oats? Field baby woman. Field baby woman? Northeast Portland. Field baby woman. Sounds like a song. Uh, Let's see. Uh, All right. Northeast Portland. All right. Field baby woman, whoever you might be, you are in the book, and you will be dealt with in the appropriate fashion at the appropriate time. I hope some nutball listener never gets a hold of that book. Oh. And then all of a sudden, the cleansing begins. I, uh... Yeah. Yeah. Ah, I was going to make an observation that probably is best left unsaid. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, I was calling about that uh, question you had about where that same uh, feeling your oats comes from. Yes, sir. Well, working with horses, uh, oats are like the high octane of the horse food. They're the viso of the horse world. Yeah, normally you feed them just grasses, uh-huh. but when you want to pump them up with energy for, like, racehorses or something, you add a lot of grain to their diet. Okay. And if you want to keep them mellow for, like, uh, the little kid trail horses and things, you want to make sure they don't get any. So, but to feel one's oats. It's like uh, uh, it's like in venomin form, dude. It just, like, you, you give a horse too much oats, and they start kicking and bucking, and they want to go. So maybe feeling oats is sort of like a... Uh... Sort of, uh, it, it, sort of another way to say, like, um, using or, or eating oats. Well, all for yourself, because it pumps them up with energy. All right. Okay. And, oh, oh, feeling as in, to, uh, not feeling as in physical feeling, but feeling as in 
um, you are feeling the sensation of having ingested something very powerful. Yes. All right. That okay. Okay. That makes sense. I was thinking feel wrong verb. I was thinking tactile. In, when instead it's more of a, a state of existence. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye. All right, there. See, that was an actual, easy, honest, uh, un, you know, the honest to goodness, easy to understand answer. Fantastic. All right, here's Tim Riley. Looks like there's another meat recall, you carnivores. It's Fred Meyer ground beef. They already pulled uh, some of the meat off the shelves, but you might have bought some. It is processed under the label of Nebraska beef, and it may contain E. coli. It says, uh, lean ground beef family pack, not to exceed 20% fat. Customers should return it to the store and get a full refund. All right. Also, they, uh, they also recalled some of the beef that they sold at Whole Foods. Would you expect better, wouldn't you? So uh, some of that has been recalled. Oh, by the way, here's an unnerving medical thing. We're just talking about the one with the baby. How about this? Rick, this will freak you out. I went to the emergency room for elevated heart rate. Ended up being a panic attack this weekend. After the nurse left the room... My heart monitor flatlined. The nurse ran into the room and looked at me, sitting there with a terrified look on my face. She walked over to the heart monitor and hit it on the top until it stopped flatlining. Told me they do that all the time. Literally, woman has to come in and go, and like has to kick the heart monitor to keep it from flatlining. That'll freak you out. Imagine sitting there and suddenly it's a teet, teet, doot. That'll... You'll start making a list of things you got to get taken care of in your life. Here's Tim Riley. Well, not only is there bad meat coming out of Nebraska, it seems that the state has been invaded by grasshoppers. Uh, apparently, the large population is due to the wet weather and an ample amount of vegetation that bugs like to feed on in Nebraska. It's already too late to do anything about the grasshopper infestation this year, according to state grasshopper officials. Best thing to do is hit them when they're small. Uh, they're good insecticides out there that help take care of them, but smaller the bug, the easier it is to kill. As grasshoppers get larger, uh, they become more resistant to insecticides. Then they get to a certain size, all you can do is step on them and squish them. Is this an... <laughs> Is this an agricultural spokespot? Yes. <laughs> is it a man or a woman? It's hard to say. It, no, it is Scott Evans. That's a the, man? Yes, of the state no. uh, grasshopper. Is she talking about Joss Sweden? Is she talking serenity in which tiny is used as a sacrifice? The best thing to do is hit them when they're small. Uh, there are good insecticides out there that help take care of them, but smaller the bug, they that is not a man. Kill. His name is As Scott. Grasshoppers get larger. Maybe it's Scottina. Uh, they become more resistant to insecticides. Scottel. Then they get to a certain size. All you can do is step on them and squish them. Step on them and squish them. Do you have a picture of whoever this is? No. What is this person's full name? Scott Evans. Evans, oh, that's then. Then I'll narrow it down. Scott Evans, what is Scott Evans' title? Let's see, he is uh, he sure with Mule Hall's Nursery. <laughs> Mule Hall's yes. Nursery. Mule M U L. One word. H A L L apostrophe S Nursery. Oh, of Omaha. Oh, Mo M U L H A L L S. Of Omaha. Moha of Omaha. All right, let's see here. No. Scott Evans. Maybe we can call him up and there get is, an interview. There is no way. I want to have that. I want to have that person cut liners for us. Oh yeah. We can have him call Dennis Miller. Yeah, I got nothing. I, seriously, how much is that? Let me just play one more time here. New kind of radio. Uh, let's see. Uh, Dave in Wisconsin. How are you, young Dave? Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. Wait a second. Go slow there, baby. I didn't even hear that. Well, you came at me like some. I said. 
Shiny, which is a slang term for great used in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. All right. Josh Wheaton vehicles. I mean, it's very much the same. Did you find a picture? That does not look like how that voice would sound. That looks like Timothy Busfield from 30-something. Can you play the voice one more time while we, while look, we look at the, at the picture? <laughs> Imagine Timothy, Timothy Busfield who played Danny Kincannon yeah. on The West Wing. Or, the, uh, yeah, he was also... Uh, it's also in Studio 60. Best thing to do is hit them when they're small. No. Uh, they're good I call BS. Size. There's no uh, way. They're like help take no. care of them, but smaller the bugs, the easier it is to kill. As grasshoppers get larger, uh, they become more resistant to insecticides. Mm -hmm. Then they get to a certain size, all you can do is step on them and squish them. I know that we make this... Uh... I mean, we make this inquiry quite a lot on this program, but what kind of accent? That's not, like just a, that's not just a Nebraska accent, is it? I've met people from Nebraska. No, they don't people talk from that Nebraska way. don't have accents. That's the land of Johnny Carson. It's the that's what I mean. It's, it's, it's the middle of the nation. Nebraska is is uh, and you might know this better than I, Tim. Is Nebraska not where the most American? Let me. How do I put this? Where the most neutral American accent is thought yes. to be from? That whole area, Kansas. Because uh, newscasters from the South or entertainers from the South are often taught to model their diction and accent or lack thereof on the Nebraskan way of speaking. Correct. So that guy. I really want to get some some. What do you call it? Not a, like a linguist or somebody on the show just to, to listen to that and tell me what is speaking there. What sounds like some kind of speech impediment? It sounds like a woman. First of all, it doesn't sound like a guy named maybe Scott. Scott was a woman. I it's in, well, I suppose it's pot. Maybe he's becoming a lady. Some kind of radio. Uh, let's see, uh, Dave in Wisconsin. How are you, young Dave? Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie so great. Humanity. Wait a second. Go slow there, baby. I didn't even hear that. You came at me like some... I said shiny, which is a slang term for great used in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. All right. Josh Wheaton vehicles. That is so fantastic. And I don't think it's fake. He holds it all the way to the end. That's uh, that's quite wonderful is what that is. All right. Can you file that sound? What is that sound bite called, Tim? O-M-H. Evans 2 dot w-a-v wait that means there's probably evans one wait hold on let me look here is there evans one let me uh let me just i believe it up. might be hold on let me i uh, might not have used it on the time. uh w drive i believe audio o-m-h mm -hmm. do you ever hear that uh, stan freeberg song omaha no i have not uh stan freeberg famed radio um the radio personality the copywriter etc he had this great, um, he's on my list of people I want to interview, by the way. He's a standing sort of like, get him on the show and I'll give you some whiskey guy. Um, he wrote this great, for the Omaha coffee brand, he wrote this great six and a half minute um, mini uh, musical called Omaha, which is a takeoff on uh, Oklahoma. Let's see here. They're saying uh, they're about the hundreds coming in, just taking out a bunch of plants. And uh, we're just seeing a really bumper crop this year. So great. All right, I'm totally saving Let's see. Save network. Maybe he does his own commercials. Oh, we should totally have him voice some stuff for us. All right, there you Amazing. go. Fantastic. By the way, back on the baby field, girl. Uh, Rick, can you imagine the horror of meandering into your yard to have a smoke or something and then seeing some lady hosing her nether regions down after she just gave birth? Maybe she was having a smoke, too. I yeah, Probably probably one of thousands. I imagine the moment that the homeowner, homeowner and the field baby won't make eye contact. The field baby. There's an awkward pause, and then the placenta just falls out of her. All the while, they're just staring at each other in silence. Why did I just think that? With a field baby. I mean, well, what else are you going to call it? It's a baby left in a field. It is a field baby. I mean, you know, it's just uh, it's just it's just appalling. It's our next promotion. Right. 
It's not our next promotion. Uh, let's see here. Um, this guy says the baby is connected to the the baby's connected to the placenta. Placenta comes out a short time after the baby. She likely waited until everything was out. Wait, so is the umbilical cord not actually attached to the inside of the woman? The umbilical cord is just attached to the placenta, which sort of, I don't know, just sort of, uh, just sort of floats there like a big floating thing. I'm asking I've, people who I've have no idea. Present at a birthing of a child. I was just going to say Tim doesn't know because he's a guy. Sarah doesn't know she's not birthing. Uh, all right. Yeah, I got it. Well, you're asking about the placenta. Yeah, you know, but I'm retracting. I remember there was something that. No, I uh, that flies out after the baby. <laughs> like it flies out. Is it? Is it? <laughs> it's doves. Is it magic? That's what I was just gonna say. Is it sweetness and God? <laughs> I don't. Know, it just sounded like there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in there that I don't want in my body. Seriously. Um. You know that's. Ah, uh, never mind. You know, I'm sure that people uh, people love their kids. Don't get me wrong. I understand that. I'm not trying to knock people who have kids, but there's all kinds of things about that. They're just so horrifying. Like, was it you that showed me that MySpace picture? Some woman, she's like, the baby's foot is like pressing against the inside of her stomach. Oh, yeah, that was the creepiest thing ever. It's like the outline of a foot, like pressing out, uh, you know. And it was like, you know, captioned like, love. Love. It's a thing trying to kick its way out of your uterus. Jesus. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, hey, I just wanted to say how much I'm enjoying Mo Hall of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. Okay, that was gold. Thank you. All right, that was really good. Uh, Let's see here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Well, yeah, you picture the uh, place where she washed off. You left the driveway stain you just don't want to come home to. Wow. It's really quite something out there today. Thank you. Let's try another one. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. This is Chris. What's up? Um, I had a, just a, I was watching TLC about two months ago, and there was mm-hmm. a, actually a special on about women who get pregnant and they don't know it until they have the baby. And apparently it usually happens to, like, severely obese women, you know, that wouldn't know it. But wouldn't you know yeah, if you weren't, like, you, you wouldn't be having your, your, your monthly, your monthly. Yeah. you would not be having your period. Yeah, I, I can't, there was some explanation for that too, but it's been so long. But imagine uh, this one lady's horrifying story how she was sitting on the toilet and gave birth to the baby into the toilet and didn't oh. know it. Oh. No, we, we did the story oh, of the toilet yeah. baby. A few We've months. had oh, any, yeah, that's the one McDonald's. any number of, uh, any number of toilet uh, babies, unfortunately. All right. Thank you, sir. Yep. All right. Jesus. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? Here's another, is this another field baby? Call? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, Diana from downtown. Hey, what's up? Well, you were calling for a linguist, but I might recommend that you really need a speech pathologist. Yeah, because that guy sounds like he has some sort of hinkiness going on with the way he speaks there. Well, he does have a, you know, there's a nasal tone to the Omaha speech pattern, but he also sounds like he has a swollen palate, like an allergic reaction. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, all right. Excellent. <laughs> well, we'll look into it. Thank you. Thank you. Right. There you go. There's Diana. Let's just uh, one more with the. They're saying uh, they're by the hundreds coming in to picking out a bunch of plants. And uh, we're just seeing a really bumper crop this year. Oh, man, that's so oh, great. That's awesome. It's a good day for voices like this, Rick. Well, he wrote a book. We have to have him on. Wait, he's written a book about what? Uh, let's see. He wrote the book, What's Bugging You? Hmm. Is it a book all about insects? Uh, yeah. He's not included in the radio TV interviewer report. And he is dead to me. They're saying uh, they're by the hundreds. Okay, can we all agree he has to get on the show? Yes. All right. Uh, so, uh, Scott Evans, author of What's Bugging You? Uh, Richie, now please do obtain. He has to, uh, he, he has to make an appearance on the program so we can... A, because, you know, who doesn't love to talk about insects? B, because, you know... They're saying uh, they're by the hundreds coming in just taking out a bunch of plants. 
and a Richard Senior really bump across this year. I'll be really disappointed if we get him on and he sounds normal because it was just like a like, like he, he just, had a really bad cold. Sure, like he had a sinus infection or something that day. Like somebody punched him in the face. Okay, so I guess he doesn't. He didn't write a book, but he has a bi-weekly blog where he answers your bug questions. Hmm, that is adorable. All right, excellent, fantastic. Uh, also, let's see. I had some other note I was going to make about something or other. Oh, but you know who else? He sounds like somebody just noted this. Do you? Best thing to do is hit him when they're small. He sounds like the um, just don't have been a lost cat magnet. So it's he, him, oh, but yeah. so but so does the Dennis oh. Miller guy. The Dennis Miller guy sounds like that too. Listen to this and imagine the. I'm um, Andrew Hoffman. Just don't have been a lost cat magnet. New kind. Of uh, let's see. This uh, Dave here. Uh, Dave in Wisconsin. How are you, young Dave? Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. That is so great. The booby doctor is old. Uh, I haven't heard the Lust Cat Magnet PSA in a while. I'm looking what happened for it right now. I don't see it. Uh, Lacey, right, Lacey didn't take it out. Well, Lacey sort of rotates those things. She cycles them through. So uh, you'll you'll. Does she keep the most popular ones? Uh, yeah, Should we right, get the vote on them? Right now, the most popular one is the put the hose away and start hugging your wife, <laughs> which makes me smile every time I hear it. <laughs> I haven't heard uh, that one yet. All right. Uh, let's see here. Well, let's do one more, and then we'll take a break. Dateline Hollywood. Tori Spelling is no longer joining the Beverly Hills 90210 spinoff. Well, she's too busy, Tim. Mm-hmm. Her rep says at this time there are no plans for Tori to appear. She was originally set to uh, reprise her 90210 character Donna Martin on the new show. Uh, she uh, pulled out after she learned that fellow 90210 alumni Jenny Garth and Shannon Doherty had been paid $35,000 to $50,000 per episode to appear in the spinoff, and she was only offered $10,000 per episode. <laughs> wow. <Burn>. Pwned. <laughs> Jesus, are you kidding me? And her dad invented yeah. the freaking what show. What a bitch, though. I mean, she gets on there and has a sob story about, like, I'm so broke, my daddy didn't leave me anything, and she's uh, getting offered $10,000 an episode. Take the money. You dumb whore. Sir. Take your money. $10,000 an episode. What do you do except, like, sit there and fester and make more babies? We can say that to so many people. Um, Next, they'll be finding your babies in a field. <laughs> <where it's laughs> wow. She'll, she'll leave it underneath the Hollywood sign. Oh, my God. That's I mean, funny, though. 10, 000, you know what it is, but here's the thing about that. That's not even like a differential based on, like, the amount of time she'd be in the that is just a screw you. That's what that is. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit of a uh, right between the ribs. Well, I've been watching now to know season four just finished it actually this weekend again. And she really is a secondary character, yeah. though. I mean, yeah. she isn't a main. Oh, I mean, look, I mean. She, and she's a terrible actor. I mean, we all. I mean, look, we all know why she had the gig. I mean, it's not a secret. Her last name is Spelling. We all know that's why anything that she has ever done in her life that's gotten any attention is because of her dad. So, I mean, you know, whatever. God bless you. You're born to somebody. Like they should be a cool person. But yeah, yeah, you're, I... you're born to somebody famous. You make the best of it. You know what I mean? It's a, you only go around once. So, I mean, you you ring it. You milk it for every dollar and every moment you can. I have no problem with that. But let's not delude ourselves about why uh, she had the job in the first place. And so that $10,000, you know what it is? That's a uh, let you know your place figure. That's what that is. That's a uh, that's a don't don't forget, <laughs> you know. Uh, that's a punitive, as they might say. Jesus. All right. Um, did I tell you that when I was in Kennewick, I watched 90210? Lauren and I were sitting around the hotel room trying to avoid uh, my family in the heat. Uh, yeah, we were, we're watching. naked people running around chasing trucks. Oh, God. No, but that's another reason to stay indoors. Uh, but it was the one where Brenda moves away to college. When she decides to go to the University of Wisconsin exactly. and things aren't what they seem. Exactly. That one. 
So yeah, I didn't get to see the, the beginning end. of season four. Yeah, I I finished, and I, I can't find season five anywhere now to an O. So there's like this huge cliffhanger because it's the one where Dylan gets all of his money taken away by the woman who's pretending to be his um, father's ex-wife. Have you thought about ordering it from CD Game Exchange? Perhaps, but I, I like watching it on the Internet. So actually, I've been watching it at CBS.com. Good for you. Oh, there you go. That's the that's acceptable. If you're not going to get it at CD Game Exchange, then by God, CBS.com is the place to go. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, shall we take a break? Yes. All right. We'll take a break. Back after this. Uh, more from Tim Riley coming up in just a uh, moment. Later on, top five love making songs. Double snuff watch still to get to. Lots of geek news. Penis watch. Clergy watch. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for coming along. It's 503 Still to come later on today, seeing a radio correspondent, James Roop. Uh, Peter Carlin from the Oregonian, top five love-making songs. Can I tell uh, you that Richie is just 100% pulling his weight today? He really is. No, I, he we were, always is, but I'm just we saying. We were poking some fun at the beginning of the program because he seemed a little uh, little lethargic. Uh, but, uh, no, he's, he's really making it happen. Uh, what else? Geek Watch coming up. Penis Watch coming up. Clergy Watch. Double Snuff Watch. Uh, let's see. Oh, I got... Let me just read this. I'm only going to read this now because it's the second one. Maybe I should wait. I'll wait and do it later and you'll see why. Uh, I'll do that in your interest. This is Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, to the surprise of no one, an Amtrak train hits and kills a man in Clackamas who's sitting on the railroad tracks. A man had been drinking something while sitting on the railroad tracks near Southeast 94th and Church. The man was killed instantly. Sheriff's deputies, firefighters, railroad investigators, and medical examiners responded to the scene, and they all agreed. Well, he was sitting in the railroad tracks truck and got killed by a train. Nothing more to discuss. Two teenagers have been taken into custody on assault charges after a man was stabbed on a C-Tran bus last night. C-Tran is the... Uh, it's the Vancouver Max line. That's, that's correct. And usually, although people in Vancouver don't behave themselves, outside of public transportation, usually you're pretty safe on a bus. It's usually the safest place to be in Vancouver. It's usually the opposite of the situation in Portland. Uh-huh. Uh, so they were called to a report of an assault on the bus stopped at Northeast 57th Avenue and 4th Plain Boulevard at 9 p.m. Lucas Blakeslee was tapped on the chest while on the bus. They detained three teenagers in connection with the attack. Two of them were booked into the juvie detention hall, and the third was released mm-hmm. to his parents. So uh, police are still investigating. What was here to investigate? Somebody gets stabbed on the bus. So let's talk about John Edwards for a moment. Now, John Edwards' explanation of his affair with videographer Riel Hunter. Wow, she's got a she's a million miles of bad road. That woman. Mm-hmm. Seriously, have you taken a good long look at her? Yeah, she's. I mean, she has a. Well, uh, I don't know how to describe her really. Uh, I can describe her. Uh, she looks like a cross between. I forget who the other person was, uh, but she looks like a cross between sort of Joan Rivers and that woman who played Bob Newhart's secretary. Kind of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that woman who played Bob Newhart, she plays Mrs. Krabappel on The Simpsons, I forget her name. But if you took... He could have done better. Carol, whatever her name was. Yeah, if you took that woman and then crossed her with like a really bad porn star, maybe, or a thin Debbie Reynolds, uh, she just... Here's the thing. She she probably used to be what my friend Todd... Uh, not Todd the Corpse. 
She uh, probably used to be what my friend Todd would refer to as porn star pretty. Uh, which is sort of pretty in a kind of trashy, slatternly but kind of she, way. She has a face that's in the shape of a football, lengthwise. That's the thing is, it's like her face. It, it, she's like, like she like, got like Fred Gwynn's head or something. It's all like rectangular. Uh, and I mean, you know, like everybody gets older, that's fine. But the key is, you got to roll with it. You know what I mean? You, you know, here's the thing: as you age, it's it's all about turning into the skid. Uh, so you sort of work with what nature is giving you, and you sort of age gracefully and stylishly. You don't pick a random year from your youth and then decide that's how you're going to try to stay looking for the rest of your life. I have picked 22. I will stay 22 forever because that never works. And then what you get is this woman who's all like leathery and bleachy and all. I mean, she kind of has like a kind of a thing going on. It's just, uh, yeah, it's all very unpleasant. So apparently, let's see, she is rejecting the idea of a DNA test. And we also found out that she's making like 15000 a year. She's being paid by a lawyer who's a friend of John Edwards. So that's what we know. Well, there was this guy, I think Barron was his name, and he was, uh, I mean, he was, I may be wrong about this, but it was like tens and tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars. Plus, she's living in like a $4 million house mm-hmm. uh, with, as they say, no visible means of support. Uh, so, I mean, there's, uh, nobody's really, and everybody's sort of like, the money isn't coming from John Edwards. It's just like the two degrees of separation, plausible deniability, where the money's not coming from John Edwards as such, but the money's coming from all these people around John Edwards who are supporters of him. Uh, and she's got some video company work, apparently she makes, uh, in the assessment of many in the John Edwards campaign, really underwhelming uh, video productions, mm. uh, for which she was paid like 15 grand a month. So there's that. Plus, I don't understand this crap of her not... Uh, of her not having a DNA test done, of her not having a paternity test. What is your read on that, Tim Riley? Well, I think we all know that but, it, it must be true. But do we? No, we don't. But, I, but it no. has to be. Well, wait, no. Stop. I don't know wait, what we're talking I'm about. All, no, I'm really confused. I'm saying, in your assessment, why is she not having the paternity test? Well, because she doesn't want the truth to be known. And what do you, as just as, as a, your constitutionally protected opinion, what do you perhaps believe the truth to be? Well, I, I believe that with that picture that it's Edwards. Mm-hmm. So, and, and then he gave, I don't know if you watched the interview on Nightline Friday night. night and it was a little late outside the news cycle and whatnot, yeah. which is what they were for. Yeah. But he gave this roundabout answer about who that child was that he was holding. He doesn't know where the picture came from. He cannot identify the child he was holding. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So he doesn't, so he can't, I can't even, my brain can't even keep up with this. So there's a picture of him holding a baby. We've seen the picture. But he doesn't remember him. I mean, yeah, but it's that picture that the Inquirer had. But he's saying he doesn't remember where the picture came from and he doesn't know what baby it is. Right. He doesn't know if that's him. Oh, for the love of God. I mean, so my thing about it is. So he'll admit to half a lie, but not a whole one. And I don't understand exactly her deal of not having the paternity test because, like, in other words, like, not having the paternity test just sort of screws him even more, right? Because everybody already assumes he's the father. Let's just start with that. Mm -hmm. Everybody assumes that John Edwards is the father. So if she had the paternity test and I said, yeah, John Edwards is the father, he's really no worse off than he is now. But if she has the paternity test and it turns out this other guy is the father, this other guy with whom she was purportedly having relations, then it helps him. So she is kind of doing something that is only hurting him. I mean, she really could help him with this, and she won't do it, which I find a little perplexing. And the answer is to the question, who is that baby you are holding? And Edward said, quote, I have no idea who that baby is. (laughs) So that's just stupid. I know it is stupid. 
But the general public is stupid. Well, I'm not going to trust that guy with nuclear launch codes. Can't remember, you know, I mean, so, I mean, that just so makes... So, asked about reports of the $15,000 a month being paid by Dallas attorney and Edwards supporter Fred Barron. Edwards says, I had nothing to do with any money being paid and have no knowledge of any money being paid. None of this makes any sense. So, I, like us, I'm sure we'll talk about this today, but I don't know why. Can't he demand to have it? Well, he probably wouldn't, though. No. To have a paternity test. And also because this, he said it's up to her, and he said that during the But, I mean, the also, how much of a jerk move is it for her not to get a paternity test? Because then the kid's going to grow up no dad, mm-hmm. you know? And then the kid's going to just have this whole cloud of, like, who's your daddy and whatever. Who's so it's daddy? all, who's your daddy? It's all very, the, this whole world, man, it's one big freak show. So that's it for that. Richie, am I reading the screen correctly? Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let us now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show. Tim, we have a mystery guest. Do you know who it is? The feel baby lady. No. No, no but uh, close in a sort of strange way. Let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show. As heard just minutes ago on this very fine podcast, he is the bug guy. He's Scott Evans. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you today? Not too bad. Thank you. Uh, so uh, we had a little bit of it. Now, Tim, you have to give me some of the background on this. So the, what was the nature of the story in which we were we were in? Was it grasshopper infestation? It was grasshopper infestation in the state of Nebraska. Now, do you live in the fine state of Nebraska, Scott Evans? Yes, I do. Uh, where Whereabouts? Um, Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, so, uh, like, how many miles would that be from Lincoln? Oh, give or take about... 4045. All right. So uh, please to explain uh, the grasshopper infestation. So when did this uh, start happening, and is it of biblical proportions, sir? Well, I wouldn't say biblical proportions, but uh, about two weeks ago, they started hatching and just really started taking off. And uh, they're starting to cause some damage for people's landscaping. Now, how how big would you say the biggest grasshopper is right now that you're seeing in, in Omaha? Uh. I've seen them anywhere from about a quarter of an inch to up to about half inch in size. And so there's really not a whole lot you can do. Like you can't really hang out like a there's no like a, a, like grasshopper motel trap or whatever, right? Well, there's a couple good options out there, but as the bug gets bigger, the more it becomes more tolerant to different types of uh, insecticides. And so then, what are you left with? Are you really just left with uh, stomping? No, as they probably get about to that inch size, yeah, you just need to um, squish them. All right. Well, I mean, there's a, you need to what with them? Uh, stomp on them. Yeah. Uh, so that's a, now, do you do that yourself? Is that, or are you more of an observationalist in this? Uh... <laughs> uh, more of an observation. Yes. So now, have you, now, is this something you do um, uh, for different kinds of insects, and you do it for different places, or are you more of a, you just focus on the insects in Omaha? No, it's uh, mainly here for Omaha, uh, in the metro area, which includes the different parts of the Iowa as well. Yes. Are you uh, now? Are you originally from Nebraska? Uh, no, I'm originally from Council Bluffs, Iowa. Council Bluffs, Iowa. All right. Uh, so now, would you say that the insect problem is is it more or less confined to Nebraska? In other words, do you think it's some sort of thing having to do with the climate right now that we in Oregon could perhaps expect some kind of infestation? It's it's hard telling. I don't know much about the nature of Oregon, the state, and all that fun stuff. But um, it's pretty much right now limited from what I've seen just to here right now the Omaha metro area. All right. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll uh, give the address uh, for your uh, for your blog here in just a, just a moment because I know you do some, some writing about this. Uh, now, are there, uh, what is your, uh, how do I put this in, favor? What is, your, what is the most fascinating kind of insect, in your opinion, bug guy Scott Evans? Oh, gosh. Uh, that's a very good question. There are 
quite a few out there. I'd probably have to say the praying mantis. And what, what about the praying mantis do you find especially uh, interesting? Uh, it's a unique critter. It's a, it's a cannibalistic animal. It will eat their young. Uh, it's a, a predaceous insect, so it takes out other bugs as well. But of just the nature, how it's a very patient insect when it hunts, and it will just stay motionless for quite a bit until the prey comes in range and they can snatch it up. If, uh, if you, Scott Evans, were an insect, what kind of an insect would you be? Now, that's a good question. Um, oh, gosh. I don't think I have a good answer for that one. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll let you, I'll let you ponder it maybe at some point in the future if you, you, know, if you feel like you sort of come up with the, with the answer to that. I mean, it's a, it's a tricky question, so we'll, maybe in the future. What is the, uh, the address of your blog, sir? Uh, say one more time. What is the you write a blog? Is that correct? No, uh, I did an interview for Channel Six News. Oh, I see. All right, excellent. So, uh, how long have you been interested in insects, my friend? Pretty much my entire life. Excellent. All right. So, do you expect this grasshopper infestation to uh, to abate at any point, or is it going to be for the foreseeable future? It's probably going to uh, die off as uh, the season progresses. Um, they're probably not to die off as we get the first hard frost or kill and freeze. But uh, for about the next month, month and a half, it should be a problem. All right. Uh, finally, is before we wrap this up, uh, Richie Bristol, with whom you spoke on the phone earlier, he uh, he wants to know. I think just you know to be cautious. Is there any kind of bug that we shouldn't step on or squish? Any kind of bug you should just uh, yet to leave alone? Uh, gosh, that's a good question. I would have to say uh, maybe the uh, oh blister beetle. What is a blister beetle? Uh, it's a it's a beetle that uh, if you uh, if you do squish it, it does have a a, a reaction. It emits a, an acid that can cause like dermatitis to people and can actually cause blistering. Boy, that's fantastic! That's a, that's a, it's fascinating. It's like a, it's like a, it's like that thing from the Alien movies. Uh, not to that extreme. The acid burn with the blister beetle burn right through the deck of the Nostromo, sir. I doubt it, though. All right. Uh, all right, my friend, thank you so much. What do you do when you're not being the bug guy? What are your What are your hobbies? What do you do if you're not, or does insecting take up most of your time, or what are your other pursuits? Uh, I'm big into African violets and other just plants in general. All right, then. All right, my, uh, my friend, thank you so much for spending some time with us. From Omaha, Nebraska, Scott Evans, the bug guy. Thank you, sir. All righty. All right, thank you. Richie, if you want to talk to, uh, to Scott Evans. That was fantastic. That was so awesome. You that are so was... mean. How was I mean? I wouldn't mean at all. I asked him what kind of an insect he would be. It's an interesting question. Barbara Walters used to ask people what kind of tree they would be. It was interesting. And I think a lot of people think that you're being near because I really think you are sincere when you're asking the bug guy, even though I kept getting text messages from people saying, Rick is so mean. What did I say that was mean? Seriously, I honestly want to know. you didn't say, Rick. What didn't I say? You're making that up. That doesn't mean anything. You're just bluffing with that phrase. No, because I think people don't understand that you're actually... That you are actually interviewing him. Like, yeah, he does have a funny voice, but you're not doing it to just solely be mean. Did I say or ask anything mean? No. No, I'm not saying you said or did anything. I'm saying that I'm trying to get the guy to repeat the word squish. I tried to get him to say squish because that was funny. I mean, there's no getting around that, but that's not being mean. So I was completely, I think to the average, if you look, if you were to uh, to read uh, a transcript of the interview, I think you would find that I was completely respectful, legitimately interested in and curious about his subject. You jerks. Omaha's in the middle. Things kind of messed up. Omaha's in the middle of the Wild Kingdom, also. Is it? Mm-hmm. And he's not from Nebraska, but he's from Iowa, and there's not like a real strong Iowa accent either. No, that's right next door. That's very intriguing. Hmm. Well, all right then. 
Uh, it's 503-733-3970. By the way, you are listening to KCMD Portland. Oh, please note, by the way, that I didn't do what Richie wanted to do. Richie, ask him to say lost cat magnet. See? You know that I didn't do a whole lot of, like, say this for me, bug guy. I didn't say that. So, you know, Rick Emerson cares. Rick Emerson can relate. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. A U.S. tourist is hacked to death in Guatemala. Wow. Robbers armed with machetes hacked a U.S. tourist to death and severely injured his wife after an attack. They kept her on a sailboat in northeastern Guatemala, and they swam out. They poked them and stabbed them with machetes. They wanted money, specifically dollars. They didn't have any dollars on them. Instead, they had squizales, which is the currency of Guatemala. Which is <laughs> A squizale. Uh, what can you buy in Guatemala with a squizale? A, a squizale sounds like some a sort of... A dozen bananas, right? Sounds like a squishy-type drink that would maybe be like a, like a, like a banana flavor. Mm-hmm. I so, need myself a large squizale. So they were retired, and uh, they bought a sailboat and thought about, you know, going around the world, meeting friendly people. Well, the world just isn't like that. No. And so they swam out. I guess they struggled. And, uh, well, they lost. By the way, can I tell you that uh, Guatemala is uh, one of those places my wife keeps trying to get me to go on vacation? Not going to happen, especially not now, by the way. Lots of bitter uh, poor people there. Well, seriously, I mean, who wants to go to Guatemala for a vacation? Why would you... Look, I try to be respectful of all peoples and cultures, mm. but why would you want to vacation somewhere where people are constantly trying to leave the country to get here? Well, the you only job I mean? there is climbing a tree and picking bananas for another country. <laughs> they don't even get to eat them. <laughs> And yeah, apparently, I bet, they, I bet they're beating it. They gouge any of them. All those bananas are perfect. And they have to put those little Chiquita stickers on them. Millions every day. <laughs> Is that where they just marked? They it's marked a challenging job. They just marched the whole population of the town in the middle of the street. Until somebody comes up with a missing banana, we start shooting one person every ten seconds. Exactly. Um, Smile and, for the tourists. <laughs> before you before take you, out your trinkets. <laughs> And then when you're not busy chopping the tourists up with machetes, Jesus. I mean, I know those things happen here, too, but God damn, there's no way. So, yeah, she was all like, we got to go to Guatemala. And I was like, no, not happening. What's for dinner? Poison ivy. Especially, especially not happening now, honey. So if you're listening, uh, 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 Guatemala off the table. Well, machete tourists are what's for dinner. God damn, seriously. Uh, all right. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Clergy Watch. Uh, here's your Clergy Watch for Monday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Yeah. Cincinnati. This is Jim Roop's hometown. The Archdiocese of Cincinnati has issued a detailed list of inappropriate behaviors for priests, saying they should not kiss, tickle, or wrestle with children. <laughs> I guess that's been a problem in the past. <laughs> well, it starts with tickling. So all three are included, and it must be observed. The newest version of the Archdiocese decree on child protection also prohibits bear hugs, lap sitting, <laughs> and piggyback rides. Wow. <laughs> you know, no, the, the creepy thing about all of this, I mean, I, I can visualize that. <laughs> Get on the Monsignor's back. <laughs> Who wants a piggyback ride from a priest? Jesus. I mean, the creepy thing about all of this is that this indicates that all of these behaviors in the past were used as some prelude to the sex. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the se- How did it start? Well, 
First, he wanted a piggyback ride. I mean, it's just, it, 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 you can just totally put the thing together in your head. Some it, it, creepy, red-faced priest going, why don't you sit on my lap for a second? I mean, it's just, it, it, you know, and then it all goes bad. God damn. Uh, priests may still shake children's hands, pat them on the back, or give high fives. Give them the high five, Tim, just not the low six. That's correct. All right. There's your clergy watch for a Monday on the Rick Emerson Show. <laughs> Let's see, do we want insect calls here? Yes. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, how you doing? What's up? First of all, you were being mean to that guy, and he knew you were being mean. You could tell by his voice that he knew he was being played. How was I being mean? I asked other than... You could tell by tone of voice. Other than asking him to repeat, to repeat the word squish. He knew he was being played, okay? It just, anyway. I reject that insinuation. I was legitimately interested in the subject of insects. You, you can reject it all you want, but it doesn't make it any less true. All right, well, that's a, that's a fair point, I suppose. <laughs> anyway, in eastern Oregon, as we speak, there's an invasion of Mormon crickets, which are uh, grasshoppers, uh, out near Burns and out that way and into Nevada. And they're getting densities up to 200 uh, per square meter. I got to tell you, one huge out there. One summer when I was a kid, I must have been maybe eight or nine. I, this only happened once, but there was one real bad grasshopper infestation in my home, presumably in all of eastern Washington, but in Kennewick. Uh, when I was growing up, when I was about eight, there was one summer where there were grasshoppers everywhere. Every freaking where, and I mean, and they probably weren't as big as as I remember, because you know you're a little kid and they seem huge. But I mean, they're a couple inches long, I would imagine. I mean, they were they were really sizable, uh, and they were just everywhere. And you would set these cricket traps that was like some kind of weird food or whatever it was inside a jar, and the thing is they'd crawl in whatever. But the, yeah, they were just. I mean, it was like you would run through a field, a dry grass field, and there were just hundreds of them would go up into the air. Yeah. It was really cool and terrifying all at yeah. once. I was out at the Mollier uh, Wildlife Refuge over the weekend, and you'd walk through the fields, and there'd just be clouds of them. Yeah. And uh, they're stretching in through Idaho, up through Nevada, and out towards uh, yeah. Uh, Utah. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, if you want to go over and have your own, and then you can say squish all you want. You yes. know, and you can Squish and stomp, sir. Squish and stomp, yeah. All right. Thank you. Yep. There you go. That's that guy. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. I want to come to your defense, man. You... You were totally nice to that guy. It sounded professional, above board. Everything was cool. That's what I'm saying. In your face, last guy. Yeah, totally. But I, I did want to just say that the squish, the squish and stomp specialist squish interview was shiny. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Okay. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right. Let's just. Uh... How are you, young Dave? Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. Wait a second. Go slow there, baby. I didn't even hear that. What were you keep at me like some? I said shiny, which is a slang term for great used in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. All right. God's Whedon vehicles. Okay, Davey. Thanks for the call. Let's go to David. And... <laughs> the whole call lasts like 14 seconds. Oh, that's fantastic. Really just... It's one one big weird cavalcade of fun in this life of ours. By the way, speaking of uh, cavalcades and fun and whatnot and hey hey, uh, Sarah, have you got those pictures of your brew? Are you going to be posting those? Yeah. 
Are they I have an unflattering angle of my leg. Well, it's, it makes it look all like squishy. Well, it's, I know it's not what my legs look like, but I don't like. That. It's you covered in bruises. I mean, mm-hmm. how can how could it be anything I think but I'm great? I'm not going to be posting that. One. Oh come on! Wait, let me look. Hold on, I got it over here. Let me open it. Uh, so Richie in the hallway during the last break took a picture uh, of the back of Sarah's I'm willing to retake another another picture, but I don't want to put that one up. Well, how is it? I mean, do you think you have to like? I know some sort of different angle. Well, here it doesn't help that one of them is real close to the camera, one's real that's far exactly, away. That's exactly. It looks really disproportionate. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's got that weird forced perspective thing where one of your, one of your legs looks all tiny, one of your legs looks all huge. Uh, so, all right, now I can see you maybe wanting to uh, wanting to retake that. Yeah. The bruise is pretty gnarly though. Uh, all right, let's see. Uh, what are we uh, What are we doing here? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? Uh, I noticed that uh, Dennis Miller is going to be in town, like the middle part of September. Uh, September September 12th and 13th at Spirit Mountain Casino. Yeah, I was wondering if, uh, A, you might uh, be giving away some tickets to that, and, uh, B, I thought it might be a good opportunity to try to get uh, Dennis in studio, if it's at all possible. Uh, Well, I can't give the details. I can't give the details quite yet, but I will say uh, Dennis Miller coming to uh, Spirit Mountain Casino Friday and Saturday, September 12th and 13th, and I will say this. I will say... uh, uh, we uh, are going to be doing something uh, with him and with that show. So uh, you, uh, so be listening for details. You're uh, you're in the ballpark. Right on, man. Well, his show is is uh, the second best show on the radio to yours. Excellent. Thank you, my friend. Goodbye, Rick. All right, there you go. Dennis Miller, six to ten mornings, right here on this very fine radio station, right before the Rick Emerson recap. Dave in Wisconsin. How are you, young Dave? Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Oh. A forklift helps a 700-pound Mexican man take a rare holiday. Yes, he's considered the world's most obese person. He left his house for the first time in five months with the aid of a forklift and a a platform truck. Manuel Arribe traveled to the shore of northern Mexico without even leaving his specifically designed bed. The forklift hoisted the bed onto the truck, which then hauled him to the lake where he snacked on fish and vegetables. It seems like he could just do with snacking on some nothing. He was once considered the world's fattest man when his weight uh, went over half a ton. More than two years of steady dieting have helped him drop about 700 pounds. 550 pounds less than his former Guinness Book of World Record of 1,235 pounds. Do you ever, let me ask you this. Do you ever have a day where you're maybe, I don't know, you're, I don't know if you're riding your bike or maybe if, if you jog, you know, I don't, but if you're like some guy who jogs or maybe you've had one too many cocktails or something or... You're supposed to take one pill at bedtime, and you take two by mistake. And then you have that thing of like, God, I hope I don't kill myself. I hope my body doesn't just fall over and my heart explode. You know, you, sometimes you'll get that weird thing, especially late at night, uh, where you get some weird thing about the frailty of your own body, and you wonder if maybe, God, I don't know, I, it said I wasn't supposed to have any alcohol with that sleeping pill, but I did have that half a glass of wine three hours ago. I wonder if that's, Jesus, my liver could be shutting down right now. And, you know, and you worry about and then you read this guy. Fat bastard weighs a thousand pounds. Look at him; he looks like self-serve ice cream. <laughs> oh my God, he does. He does. He's he, like he can be ordered from Dairy Queen. Wow. Self-serve his ice cream with. If arms. you were to no lie, I'm covering up his head with my thumb right now. <laughs> if I was just to tell you that this was something that had been extruded from like a uh, available at DQ. Or, or this, this is, okay, here, I'm going to cover up his, I'm going to cover up his head so you can just see his body. Picture this. Next step is to put the dough in the bread making machine. <laughs> look at this guy. I tell me, it. tell me he doesn't look like oh. ice cream or bread dough. He looks like self-serve ice cream. Oh, my God. That's what I'm saying. He's a chick magnet. 
Wow. They, they go, the chicks go around him in an elliptical <laughs> orbit. You know, I think I saw, I watched a documentary on this guy. About like that guy? One hour special, yeah, how he's, how he's carted around and they have to like clean his folds with a stick. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> like a swifter. And he has like a normal wife, too, I think. Oh, God. They always do. Why do they always? I don't know. It's I can't find one love. single decent person to date and this guy has a wife. It's, you know, it's only skin. And you know what? Skin. You know. You know what he? Uh, it's a, <laughs> five skin. Uh, you know what he looks like? Do you ever have that that kids game where it's like a little? Um, it's a little uh, uh, plastic pole, and then you put a series of uh, plastic colored rings or donuts on the pole, and then it ends up being sort of triangular shaped. Sort of the smallest ring at the top, and then it wider and wider and wider plastic colored rings. That's what this guy looks like. I mean, because like the biggest fold at the bottom, and then he sort of narrows as he gets toward the top. Wow. I mean, he's like, this is like full-on Walter Hudson size here. And that really is saying something. Jesus. All right. Uh, more from Tim Riley here in just a moment. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Hello, sir. Woo-hoo. Good day to you. How was your weekend? Okay, thank you very much. It was satisfying in every way? It was. Yes, it was. Do you have a tasty beverage? Uh, uh, quite a few. Good for you, my friend. Thank you. Oh, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know where to begin. Oh, hey, here's a. This is uh, just something that uh, I think you did talk about a while back. We weren't really able to discuss it, but I just real quickly, I wanted to ask you this. Um, but but a week ago, ten days ago, something like this, uh, Schwarzenegger did this thing of did he did he fire people or reduce to minimum wage or both? Both. What what what, what is it he did exactly? Uh, he re- he slashed the state minimum wage down to the federal minimum wage, which uh, elim- which cuts about a buck forty-five an hour off state workers, and he furloughed or fired, um, I don't know, twenty thousand part-time wow. employees. So about two hundred thousand people are affected, and but the state controller says he's not going to do it. He says not only does the governor not have legal right to slash wages like that. But he also says that the system's so antiquated that it can't be done. You just can't slash the wages and expect the computer to print out the proper paycheck. So he's going to continue wow. to pay people uh, the money they deserve. Well, I got two things about that. One is a because I mean, you guys are going to you know the, the, the huge economy down there. I mean, a big part of the, of the country's economy is in California, and it's interesting that a I remember when Schwarzenegger was running, and I remember him being on Leno, and there's that famous clip of him saying, "Everybody is going to have a fantastic job." Yeah. Which is like the weird, like, who says that? Even if you're running for office, who makes such an absurd claim? Everyone that's going to have a fantastic job, uh, from which you will be fired. Uh, so there's that. And then, uh, is this was this a sort of on Schwarzenegger's part, was it, I mean, obviously there's cost-cutting involved, but was it also a little bit of the, the play into the public sentiment in that nobody in the public or very few people in the public is going to stand up and defend the right of government workers to get paid more? Well, it's the, the thing is, we don't have a budget. We're 27 days uh, or 12 weeks past the budget, so we're running out of money. And the governor says we can't pay our bills. So, and trying to light a fire under legislators because the governor got all his stuff in in the constitutional time limit he was supposed to, but the legislators have not. Mm-hmm. So he's saying, look, we got to get a budget, and we got to get it now. So until you get me a budget, I'm slashing wages and I'm cutting jobs. Now, when you pass a budget, I'll give those people their jobs back, right. and we'll retro everybody the pay they're supposed to get. But I can't pay the bills, and I can't make payroll because we don't have a budget. And that's where he is right now. So on the one hand, he's making a smart business decision, 
Uh, on the other hand, he's and he's lighting a fire under legislators who love to procrastinate because it doesn't affect them. And he even said, how about I stop paying them? Right. They didn't get their job done. I'll stop paying them until they I guarantee I'll have a budget in 20 minutes. Mm. Uh, all right. We are we are in the tunnel, as uh, as Hugh Hefner would say. It is a weird it is a it is a weird kind of uh, it's a weird kind of bleak time for any number of uh, any number of Americans right now. Yeah, um, man. Hey, uh, just as a uh, just, I wanted to talk about this uh, this helicopter crash though. So there was this so there's a helicopter crash. What was it? Nine firefighters. Is that how many guys? Nine people. Several of them were firefighters. There were. I don't know how many on the on the thing. I think there were 12 people on the helicopter. Four survived. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it, it had just refueled, and then it went into uh, lift out some firefighters who were fighting a fire in Northern California. It lifted off from a clearing, hit a tree, and smashed into a hillside. It exploded in flames. Nine oh. died. Oh. Um, three have been released from the hospital. Two over the past weekend, and uh, with some broken bones and burnt faces. But you know all the all the remains have been removed from the wreckage. They just have to figure out which remains goes to which name. Jesus, those I, I don't know, I don't know what it is. There's I mean it, there is something to me, maybe maybe in the the psyche in general, but maybe it's just me. There is something uniquely horrifying about a helicopter crash. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I don't know. Maybe we become numb to sort of the airline, you know, the airplane crash after a while. Not that not numb to it. But I mean, you, you, I, I guess that's sort of your top of mind. Awareness, but I mean helicopters. I don't know. It's it's there's they seem uh, there's something about that. There's something about that kind of vehicle, and it just seems it's just so much more uh, terrifying when you read about something like that happening. It's just a bad scene. Well, I've flown in them, and and I hated doing when I ever had to do any airborne stuff, pursuits, fires, whatever. I hated doing helicopter. Give me a fixed wing anytime, because when you're up in a helicopter and you're hovering over something, and the pilot's hands and feet are going all over the place, and you're thinking. How in the hell are we doing this? Right, and right. And you know if something goes wrong, you're just dropping like a rock. Well, and there's no, at least in a plane, you have that illusion that you are surrounded. You, could, you yeah. know, and, and one of the things we had to do when I was doing that kind of stuff is that we had to learn how to fly the things. And with the plane, what was great was the pilot told me one time, a plane only knows how to fly level, right. to fly straight. So if you get into trouble, let go of the wheel. It will find itself, and it will glide. Right. A helicopter won't find itself. It will find the ground. Yeah, it knows how to fall. It, that's all it will do. It's, uh. just it's crazy. Uh. And while these Sikorskis are supposed to be these great big, you know, you know, lovely helicopters that are fairly safe, I mean, when that thing's heading for the ground. And you know what? 2,000 pounds of steel is, is not going to fall gently. With it's a full tank of gas? Yeah. Uh-uh. Uh, hey, real, real quickly, uh, Tim Riley just showed this to me. This, uh, this, did you see this thing? Um, Interstate 10, this guy, $2,000 worth of cash. Yeah, and a motorcycle? Yeah. <laughs> An unexpected... I was headed in that direction <laughs> we last had, week. It's weird how often these stories happen. We had this just a couple of weeks ago. Somebody on, on I-5 here, there was a report that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bills were floating around in the air. And the weird thing is, it was like there was never any cause of it. Like, no, nobody ever announced exactly where it came from. There's just some huge bag of money that exploded all over the road, and I got to tell you, there is something. I don't care who you are, where you come from, what background uh, you are, how you know what what path you walk in life. That is a universal and human constant. You see money blowing around. We had a guy call us from the side of the road. He he looked up, and there's like a five dollar five dollars five dollar bill under his windshield wiper. He immediately jerks the car over to the shoulder of the road. Calls me, and then he calls me. Dude, I'm on I five. There's money everywhere. I gotta go. You know, it's, I mean, it's just you know, it's like being inside some huge uh, one of those huge cash blowy things they have at the uh, you know the casino.
All right. That's wonderful. All right, my friend. Well, I know it's a busy day for you. Uh, I will uh, I will be thinking happy thoughts for all Californians today. That's well, what I'll be doing. thank you. All right. Enjoy your day, sir. All right, bud. CNN Radio correspondent James Roop, ladies and gentlemen. i got to put this picture of the Mexican guy. He's freaking me out. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Hey. What? Say, kids. Sesame Street is back this week with all new episodes. The star of the series, Grover, says lots of celebrities have and will be paying a visit to Sesame Street. People like Jack Black? Yeah, he came by. And, uh, oh, Jessica Alba? She taught me the meaning of the word scrumptious. Yes, Grover's That's a little in. creepy. He's That's really creepy. I work as a waiter at Charlie's <laughs> Restaurant. I drive a cab. I, and I am a superhero. Super that is probably the ultimate job right there. That's bad. If you want to help people, grow up and become a superhero. Grover. I barely knew her. Uh, Where'd you get him on the phone? Uh, that's, uh, you can see a little bit of a uh, little bit of the humor Frank Oz uh, showing through there in that quote about the, teaching me the meaning of the word scrumptious. Uh, so it is weird, actually. Plays. You know what I was watching last night? I was watching the Spanish-language Sesame Street program last night. Of course you were. It's a long story, uh, and which is not Sesame Street. It is Plaza Sesamo. Uh, so I was watching Plaza Sesamo last night, which is weird. Now, I had assumed, because I never watched it before, I wouldn't you just assume, Tim, if you didn't know, that the Spanish-language Sesame Street would just be the English-language Sesame Street, which itself is already sort of multilingual. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people really remember that, but I mean, even back when I was a kid, growing up watching Sesame Street, they must have already known... They must have done a lot of research and figuring out who the demographics were. Because even when I was like five, six, seven, watching Sesame Street, they did a lot of Spanish on there. All I would guarantee, how dumb is this? Probably 90% of the Spanish I know comes from watching Sesame Street as a kid. Because there was a the thing of the box that would open and close. It would be, abierto, cerrado. And it was like, I, I, that's the only reason I know that, Sesame Street. But now they just, you know, they just skip to the bottom of the page and they have this whole Spanish language version. But I had always assumed it would just be a dubbed version of the regular Sesame Street. It's not that it, they have a... It's like their own, like, from scratch show. B- Big Bird, by the way. So here's the thing. On the span, on, on Plaza Sesamo, Big Bird, and I don't know if his name... I don't speak Spanish, so I don't know if his name is Big Bird or not. It's like... An, it, it, but it's like a different bird. In other words, it looks like a cousin to our Big Bird. You know, our Big Bird is yellow, tall, orange legs, huge yellow beak. Mm-hmm. Spanish language, he's... Uh, Green, short, rounded bill, and then he's got weird, like, purple feathers in his hair. He's very sort of Latin-looking. It's kind of cool, actually. You know what I mean? It's sort of a, you know, it's sort of aesthetically, it does very very much look like from the Latin culture. Um, and then, during this half-an-hour Spanish-language Sesame Street, I swear to you, there were not one, not two, but three segments based around football, soccer, you know, uh, which is great. So, uh, and then there was this really, really surreal thing that I think was taken from the 70s and overdubbed, where it's the count, uh, you know, the one peanut butter jelly sandwich, him in bed counting sheep as they go by, and it's to a disco song all in Spanish. So you've got a Transylvanian Muppet saying something in English, dubbed in Spanish, watching sheep go by in a Romanian castle. It was like the weirdest level of, and layering of just, of, of, of bizarre. So, uh, anyway. So there you go. The end. Well, George's president uh, said he returned early from a summer vacation 
to find uh, most of his fellow countrymen are running away from the country. People are going and now running back to from the seaside holidays and from mountains because they have to find safe refuge. And I saw in my own eyes how Russian planes were descending very low on the over the road and dropping bombs in proximity of the place where there was compilation of cars. So the Russians say it was Georgia that attacked Russia first. It was a big Georgia which attacked tiny Republic of South Ossetia. And many villages have been totally destroyed. Thousands of civilians were killed, burned alive in their houses, in their hiding. That's what Hitler said about Poland, too. You would appeal to the United Nations, which we accidentally did, and the United Nations and Security Council didn't pass any decision. We had to urgently defend the people who are still alive. Ah, uh, never mind. I was going to weigh in, but what do I know? <laughs> I, I have no idea. Seriously, I could only catch like half what he was saying anyway, so... Well, all right. There you go. There's a, there's that. Let's do uh, one more here. We'll take a break. Let's do the uh, double snuff watch. Here's your double snuff watch for Monday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. So like on Isaac Case has died. He passed away in the Memphis area hospital yesterday afternoon. He had been there after his wife found him unconscious thanks to an exercise treadmill at home. While no cause of death has been offered yet. See, doesn't that make you never want to exercise? Dies on a treadmill. Should have sit on the sofa. Maybe they sent it too high. He had been you dealing... sent it to kill. <laughs> he had been dealing <laughs> with health issues. <laughs> That's right above brisk jog. <laughs> Here we are. What is the setting on this thing? Where should I put it? Uh, I don't know, whatever the setting above, uh, Gallup is. Whatever, whatever, what's the setting above Cantor? It says, it says die. Well, that one. Man, I don't know how to, that was, uh, eye-opening. Anyway, uh, yeah, apparently they set it a little bit too high for him, and, uh, well, he passed away. Jesus. I mean, you know, Sarah had asked, um, about South Park, and so, so, South Park is Wednesday nights. Uh, and so it's now Monday, so you got to figure. I mean, who knows? Those guys always defy expectations. Uh, but it, it, but it does seem likely that the South Park guys will do some sort of a tribute to him. Uh, I had a lot of people send me that uh, that clip from South Park where he was, where the character of Chef was was killed and eaten by lions and set on fire. Oh, I, and I think I have that. Well, let's see what we. Well, have. it doesn't really work on the air. That's the problem. Okay. I'm just well, I'm just saying if it's the one, it, it doesn't. I was going to use it, but it doesn't really work for the air. But the thing is, because he had left. The, the show South Park, I don't know, I guess what, maybe three, four years ago now, because um, he because of what Isaac Hayes, who was a Scientologist, claimed was South Park's religious intolerance, specifically their, specifically the fact that they planned to do an up, you know, they at that point had an upcoming episode of Scientology, uh, about Scientology. So Isaac Hayes left the show, and they did that great episode where Isaac Hayes, where the character Chef ran away from South Park to join a... Uh, not a cult, a, uh, a happy camp, and uh, where they made it all out of recycled chef dialogue. Right at the end, he's killed. But but you got to figure that they'll do some some sort of South Park reference to him dying. I mean, I hate to be morbid, but it does seem like you know they might even they might even structure an episode around the fact that that Chef has died somewhere or that he is because I think they made him into Darth Chef at the end, but they brought him back and made him a cyborg. So they might do something like that. It seems like those guys would do it. But you know, people always remember him for Shaft. Uh, you know the theme from Shaft. You're damn right. Right. But I mean, he just he. You talk about a guy who just 
I mean, just looms so large. It's not like I'm the biggest soul music, uh, you know, uh, aficionado. But, I mean, that guy just casts a huge shadow. So uh, L. Sharpton had to add his two cents worth to that. He was not only one that would be receptive to a call, he would actually make suggestions. He would actually strategize. He would call us into accountability because he was emphatic about literacy and health care. Hey, his acting career stretches back to the 1970s. His credits include the films Escape from New York, I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker, Robert Hood, Man in Tights, Johnny Mnemonic, Reindeer Games, and the upcoming Soul Man, which also stars the late Bernie Mac. Really? Yeah. Well, we'll segue to that here in a second. Oh, yeah. Is that weird? So Isaac Hayes, obviously South Park, uh, theme from Shaft, etc. But if you, what you might, but what you might not know is that he wrote uh, a lot of uh, R&B and soul hits way before he himself was a prominent artist. Uh, if you've ever heard some of those early Sam and Dave singles, uh, I think Isaac. I could be wrong about this, but I think Isaac Hayes wrote both "Hold On, I'm Coming" and "Slow uh, Soul Man." I think he is the author of both of those songs. Uh, of course, made famous by by Sam and Dave. So. Um, you know, he's not unlike Ike Turner. He's a guy who kind of was was there in the studio writing hits for other people and then branched out as an artist uh, on his own. And then obviously, uh, very, and, and, and here's the other thing. Anybody who has ever seen this, and especially if you were alive in the 70s, you remember the cover for Hot Buttered Soul, which is just, mm-hmm. I mean, this may sound weird, but look, I mean, so, uh, so, I, I, even I can look at the cover of the Hot Buttered Soul album and you got to go, damn, that is one That is one sexy man. Because it's just, if I remember correctly, and, and Tim, you may, you may have seen this record too, it's just like a big sort of close-up of like the top of his bald head, right? Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing. And, I mean, you know, I, uh, I imagine that Isaac, uh, I imagine that Isaac Hayes had quite a, uh, quite a way with the ladies. That would be my estimation. So, he will be missed. All right. The second death is Bernie Mac. He died Saturday from complications relating to pneumonia. He was only 50 years old. He was born in Chicago's South Side in 2004 in the midst of success with his award-winning Fox series, The Bernie Mac Show. The funny man also uh, appeared on the NAACP Awards. He shared the reaction he got from his stand-up comedy routine in which he impersonated family members, much to his grandmother's dismay. My grandmother came and snatched me off the stage and took me in the back and whipped me. Then she brought me back and put me back on stage and she said, finish. And as I looked around, that laugh was so good to me, I went back and finished the story. Bernie Mac talks about his approach to life and work. All I want to do is good stuff. When I see things, I always, always say to myself, first of all, what can I do to make it better? I don't do things for money. I don't do things for fictitious reasons. I want to get better. I want to do better. He began his career as a stand-up comedian in Chicago's Cotton Picking Club. His star began to rise after performance on HBO's Deaf Comedy Jam that led to small roles in films like 1995's Friday. And uh, more movie roles followed, including Ocean's Eleven, Mr. 3000, Guess Who, and last year's Pride in Transformers. Well, I was going to say, you know, he was certainly the best thing about the movie Transformers. He was one of the highlights uh, of Ocean's Eleven, which is, you know, great. But I think he's all three of those, isn't he? Ocean's Eleven, Ocean's Twelve, and Ocean's yeah. Thirteen, I think. And uh, and really, if you saw the original Kings of Comedy, I mean, he's just, you know, there's, there are people who are, and there's people who are just, and uh, there are people who, I mean, it's always good to have you know, good material and. What is the tagline for that movie? We got jokes. I mean, it's always good to have, you know, you, you you bring the stuff to say, but there are people who are just funny. They themselves just exude uh, a kind of vitality, a kind of humor, and you know, they, a lot of guys don't. He really did. He was just a 
funny guy. So, uh, well, that sucks. And didn't we just have that story last week where the publicist was like, not dying? Yeah. Not, and, and, then they, and then they followed it up with a press release that said, not dead. Uh, which, of course, was two days before he died. So They always lie. They always lie. They pay the big bucks to lie big. <laughs> to, the, to the end. Uh, all right, so there you go. So uh, very sad passings. Bernie Mac, Isaac Hayes, rest in peace. There's your double snuff watch. Let's take a break. Back after this. Yes, indeed. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Still to come today, more from Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. To our high-concept topic uh, from last week, actually, thus clearing the decks for this coming Thursday's high-concept topic. Top five love-making songs. Uh, let's see what else. we still got a penis watch to get to. Hick watch to get to. I got this, uh... Well... I've been teasing this for a long time. I might as well just talk about it real briefly before they do the news. And I'm going to try to get some of it scanned and put online. So, um, I went home to, uh, so I went to Kennewick a couple weekends ago uh, to see my uh, my mom's. And uh, so Lara and I went there, and then my brother was there, and his, his wife, so my brother and, and my sister-in-law. And my brother had been going through... I was just saying everything plural, right? You said I wanted to visit my mom's, and then you're like, and my brother and his wife's. Wives. <laughs> sorry. Like, Is there something... What's that that you didn't tell me? No, I'm sorry. It's just a poor diction on my part, Sarah. Uh, so um, anyway, so, so I got to kind of wake up. So my brother found this thing in his basement. He was like going through his old school crap, you know, like stuff that he'd sort of kept from grade school and whatever. Um, and keep in mind, my brother didn't go to Catholic school. My brother, I, and I went to Catholic school, kindergarten all the way through eighth grade. And then they had plans to send me off to Gonzaga Prep. Uh, to be a uh, to be a bulldog, uh, which were those were thankfully thwarted, uh, so I didn't have to go to Gonzaga Prep, didn't have to go to like uh, you know, didn't have to didn't have to go to a Catholic. I can't imagine a worse existence than a Catholic high school, quite frankly. I mean, it just just seems like hell on earth. I went to Catholic junior high, and that was just terrible. Tim, Catholic high school, hell on earth. Catholic prep school, even worse. Ugh. So wait, now is prep school dumb question? Is that K through twelfth grade all the way? No, prep. prep what school, is prep school? It prepares you to go to college. Is that so? That's high school. Is that high school? It is a high school. Okay, so it's all the way. So it's twelve. It's so it's a. It, it, so that's a. You're, it, you're expected to go to a major college upon completion. Was that expectation met? Uh, for a year. <laughs> Can we ask what major college you went to? Uh, BU, Boston University. And then uh, after a year, did you decide it wasn't for you? Uh, yes. Good for you. Uh, so, uh, you don't need no education, Tim. You don't need no thought control. So, uh, so prep school is, is that, is that, a, that's a sort of a schmancy New England term for high school? No, that's anywhere. I don't think they call it prep school anywhere but where you live. Seriously. <laughs> I think that's another I, one I, of I'm your, not, like... I'm not familiar with the way that people live. I think, I think that's another one of your only you get the cool scented doggy bags, uh, in oh. your neighborhood. And meanwhile, I just get homeless guys coming squatting in my driveway. I, I think prep school might be, maybe there that's There are a, no prep schools here? I... Sarah, help help her I don't even know what it, So prep school is a high school, and yes, more than likely. I'm sure there's probably one in Lake Oswego. I think a prep school is a specific kind of high school. Yes, you're expected to go on to do great. Oh, oh, I see. Oh, let me, let me understand this. So is a prep school? I know that we're bogged down in just the most minute of details here, but I find these sorts of things fascinating. So is a prep school a high school? That is specifically for those students from whom a, a college ed- education is expected. 
Yes. And fun would be physics classes. All right. So it's like an advanced. So prep school is like an advanced high school. Right. There's no. Uh, There's no lollygagging. Correct. There's no uh, like basket weaving classes. <laughs> and no. And no horseplay. Correct. All right. Can I let's talk about horseplay for a second? There uh, was no horseplay at my high school. When I was uh, when when uh, Todd the Corpse and Joni DeRoshi and I uh, we were all uh, working the other night and uh, and Joni's uh, daughter was there and we were talking about something or other and somebody used that phrase like quit quit the horseplay and we had this whole discussion about horseplay and where the hell that even comes from. Horses don't seem like a very jocular, a fun-loving animal. Seems like they're you know the, the, the horses seem very staid most of the time. And a little scary. And horseplay is one of those things, a word that seems like it should have died out about 40 years ago, and yet they still use it. Every swimming pool, I, like if you go to a public pool or like an apartment swimming pool, big sign, no horseplay. So, all right, well, in any event, I did not go to a prep school, didn't go to a Catholic high school, didn't go to anything like that. Uh, my brother at uh, in second grade was given the option of leaving Catholic school. He so chose. And so he went to, a, he went to public school uh, for the rest of his years. Uh, but I went to uh, Catholic school for nine years, and I did a whole lot of things like art projects and just, uh, you know, like weird, like c- creepy assignments about Jesus, one of which found its way into my brother's basement. So he shows up in Kennewick with this, and this is a, it is a book, a booklet made of construction paper and then like that big, that big cheap-ass newsprint that you would write on that has, like, wood chips in it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, it's not lined. It's just, like, it's that really, really cheap kind of drawing paper. It really, it's like they've just taken plywood it's and like pressed it real It's like toilet paper. Exactly. It's like Russian toilet like paper. Soviet toilet paper. And it is a handmade, it's a handmade booklet, and it is the Stations of the Cross, as drawn by me, Richard, in kindergarten. Oh, my God. First of all, I, and I was talking to, to Joni and Todd about this. You're a and, brainwashed Catholic boy. Uh, yes, I was. And it, which is interesting because I forget that the Stations of the Cross are not universal across Christian Christian faiths. I forget exactly what the hell Joni was. But Todd is... Oh, he just told me to. Well, he's something. He's some other type of Christian. Uh, but they, but he said, he, goes, he said, well, what are the Stations of the Cross? And I said, you don't know what the Stations of the Cross are? Uh, this is like when, uh, when, you know, my wife told me they didn't have crucifixes in the Mormon church. Uh, and they don't have crosses of any kind, actually. The Mormon faith, no crosses, because they consider it, I think, kind of rightly to be morbid. Uh, and so they, the, 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 big, the, catch for the, big, the big thing that Mormons will always say to you is, the people in the LDS faith will always say, um, they'll always say, well, if Jesus had been executed by firing squad, would you wear a gun around your neck? Which does have some sort of logic to it. So in the LDS faith, there's, just, true. there's no cross at all, because they choose to focus on the life of Jesus, not the death, whatever. So, uh, but a lot of Christian faiths, I guess, do not have the Stations of the Cross. So bear with me for just a moment. The Stations of the Cross are ten scenes or sort of snapshots from the trial, uh, scourging, crucifixion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you go to any Catholic church, uh, you know, any, uh, you know, any, anything that you go to any of those, like an abbey, any of those places, and usually around the walls of the church, usually five on one side, five on the other, will be either a painting, a drawing, a sketch, or a sculpture showing these ten different moments in sort of the passion play of Jesus Christ. And the first station of the cross, I think, is Jesus is tried under Pontius Pilate. And then I believe the tenth and final station of the cross, why do I even remember this? God damn. Uh, is, the, is Jesus ascends into heaven, I think? 
And between there is like, is beaten, you know, is stabbed, falls over, is kicked, you know. It's, you know, it's like, is, is you know, it, it's just, it's kind of horrifying. And it's even more horrifying that as a kindergartner, they were making me, and they didn't like a coloring book, or like I was, uh, like I connect the dots, like from scratch, the order was to draw from scratch by hand the Stations of the Cross. In kindergarten? It says right in the front, kindergarten. And the, I'm looking at the year, and the year, the, the, the math works out. This was when I was in kindergarten. So I have this, and on the front, by the way, I must have done an exceptional job because there's a there's a jaunty little sticker with a chicken on it, and it says, way to go. Uh, so I'm going to scan some of these and put them online. Uh, but so these are the Stations of the Cross as drawn by me in kindergarten with crayon, and they're all really effed up, like way more than the Stations of the Cross are in general. And so I'll just go through these one by one. I will show these to Tim and Sarah. I know it's a little frustrating, but I will scan these and put them up on the site later. Station of the... And I'm in kindergarten, and they're making me draw this. Station one. Jesus is told he must die. And so there's there's Jesus standing next to what looks like a rooster. I don't know who... <laughs> it looks like his hair is on fire. It does. Somebody and with... has a green body and like a carrot neck. Somebody with a green body... And then like fun of the drawings of a five-year-old. And somebody with a green body and like what looks like whatever that thing is on top of a rooster. What's that thing called? The crown. The crown of a rooster. Or his hair is on fire. It's just weird. Maybe he's being touched by the flame of God or whatever that thing is. That could be. All right, here we go. Station number two. Jesus accepts his cross. So here's Jesus who has club foot apparently. (laughs) Where's the cross? (laughs) Right there. He's looking a giant cigar. Seriously, the cross looks like a model airplane. Maybe uh, I have to put it together. <laughs> Some assembly required. <laughs> Prefabricated. Cross by Ravel. Uh, all right. Tab A into slot B. All right. Station number three. Jesus falls the first time. This is sort of a surrealist thing where he doesn't have any feet at all. He's What's going on there? He's just got a weird bendy smudge body. <laughs> so there you go. And a smudge cross. cross. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Station number four. This is one of the more disturbing... Uh, there's no way to accurately describe this, but again, we'll put these all on the website later. Station of the Cross number four, which I was made to draw as a kindergartner, as part of my Catholic brainwashing. Jesus meets his mother. Two observations. I should just take this right to my shrink. First of all, his mother appears to be a cyclops. (laughs) She She has a little, like, slit of a mouth, one huge black eye in the middle of her face, no nose. And then Jesus has... Jesus has two heads... No arms, and his feet are just a stump. I'll pass this around the room Let's so see. you can... Is this one extra special? Jesus meets his mother. So, okay, Jesus is the one with one eye. I don't, I guess. I think that's his mom. He's like, no, I think that's his mother. She's like a Cyclops mom or something. She looks like a walking stick. I mean, it's just weird. Sarah, you should check this out. Okay. Check okay. out the uh, station where Jesus meets his mother. So I guess the teacher decided that this is Jesus meets his mother. I, I Because no. it's not indicated. Isn't that weird looking? Why is my mom, or I'm sorry, Freudian slip, why is Jesus' mom a cyclops in this? Isn't that strange? That's really weird. Oh, wow. Maybe you were trying to do a profile. Maybe. Like you were just, like, her head was turned to the side. I was in my, uh, I was in my Picasso phase. Uh, so there's, let's see. Who's Veronica? I don't really know. Is that like, hmm. So, so there's the next station. What is the next station? Where Veronica wipes, wipes Jesus' face, face, which I don't really remember. Yeah, it's when, and then that's the clock. Oh, and her image. Oh, that's right. His, his face is like on her well, What does she wipe it with, like a paper towel? I don't know. So Veronica looks like a jack-o'-lantern. Uh, all right. Is there anything else that's good in this? 
<laughs> Isn't that disturbing? <laughs> That's really scary. Jesus, is, Jesus okay. is stripped of his robe, and then Jesus looks like a clown face that's on fire. He looks like he just had plastic surgery. Aren't these all sort of terrifying to you? That is terrifying. That is uh, what is wrong with you? I know, that's what I'm that saying. That creepy so. clown, naked Jesus man is creepy. All right, the only other one that's really interesting is I think the one what Jesus dies or whatever. Well, the thing is, after Jesus' his robe is taken away, Jesus only has a head. <laughs> Not only did he take the robe, he took the rest of Jesus. Oh, my God, Jesus nailed to the cross. See? And he's like, and there's blood pouring out of him. It's all Just like, his neck. It's just so weird. Why would you make kindergartners draw this? Which they did at my Catholic school. Now, is the one where Jesus dies the one that's just in all black? There's one that's just done in all grayscale. Jesus dies on the cross. Oh, no, that's all happy. He's smiling. Yeah. Well, he's glad it's over with. Yeah. All right. What's next? Is that the last one? Uh, There might be one more. Who's this? Jesus is buried. Jesus is buried. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, these drawings are insane. It's not even that they're bad. They're strange. These are not the drawings of a healthy child. They are not. Yeah. You should definitely bring that to your next shrink appointment. All right. Jesus buried. All right. So uh, there well, you go. That's a great Jesus story anyway. I it, it deserves a uh, way to go chicken. I will, I will say this. Here's the one thing about this, and then we'll, and then we'll, we'll uh, do the news here. It looks like that Beavis and Butthead thing with the airplane crash. <laughs> totally. Where they have to do the animated, the cartoon. That's exactly what it looks like. Wow. Good reference from you, Tim. Um, the one final note I will make about this, and you'll see it when we scan it in. You can draw your own conclusions or... Your shrink, perhaps, uh, can draw conclusions about this, is that on every single page... There's blood? Well, not only that. Well, that's just... That goes with being Catholic. But on every single page, I've drawn, like, the appropriate station of the cross, as befits a Catholic youth. But then I have drawn my own name in letters larger than the body of Jesus. Seriously. Some things never change. Seriously. I mean, no, there, there are some pages where you cannot fit your whole name in one line. Look, look how tiny Jesus is. Look how big my name is. My name is like four times the size of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Well, you're, you're, you're bigger than Jesus. Even then, Tim. I mean, seriously. Oh, bada bing. But see, that's a, that, see, that's a pun also that it works on that level. But seriously, what is what is that about? Here's Jesus, but here's my name. Well, you're not about to be upstaged by Jesus. That is so funny. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Yeah, you should That's totally. Believable. That should be if you re-release bigger than Jesus. You need to make that the copy. It's just Next bizarre. Next to the picture of Jesus, and then your name. All the more reason to re-release it. Ah, uh, yeah. So, by the way, just one final note here, and then we'll uh, do some news, and we'll just uh, sweep the top. Um, on KCMD Portland, I will say this. So, uh, you know, on Friday we had the Emerson Address, which did entail from about 1:45 until about 2:10. Huge, like, banners that said, listen now, AM 970, and yes, my face on them, being hung off various highway overpasses, along with hundreds and hundreds of placards, cards, signs, and poster boards all over the city with my face on them saying, listen now. I swear to God, when I was talking to my psychiatrist just the other day, like the third question into the session with my shrink, he says, do you ever view yourself in a grandiose fashion? And it's like, how am I even supposed to answer that? I mean, really, what is it? What possible answer could I give him that would even begin to approach like truth? I, I don't even, I don't even, I don't even know how to deal with that question. I, uh, Jesus Small, my name, huge. Here's Tim Riley. That is str- kind of strange, isn't it? Yes. But I can see the Russians hanging up your picture as they're in- invading Georgia. Yeah. You're right. My name is so big, it's on two different lines here. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fantastic. True. All right.
Alaska Airlines has resumed flight operations between Alaska and the rest of the U.S. after canceling 44 flights due to volcanic ash. Apparently, it's coming out of some volcano in the southern part of Alaska, but everything's okay. A monkey is born. The Oregon Zoo is celebrating the birth of a pale-faced monkey. It was born in the early morning hours Thursday. The parents are Jackie and Bam Bam. They have kept the newborn close, so keepers are unable to determine the baby's gender. Is it a white-faced gibbon? It is a sake monkey. <laughs> this is a pale-faced sake monkey, usually found in the tropical rainforests of southern and eastern Venezuela. That's a country where people are hacked to death. Uh, these shaggy primates tend to be small, fast, and shy. The males are black with white faces. The females are brown with white stripes on their faces, so I guess they grow their stripes later. It's a sake monkey? Sake monkey. Like well, a sock okay. monkey. Well, all right. Uh, let's see. So, uh, congratulations. It is the first uh, monkey baby to be born in a long time at the Oregon Zoo. Oh, a Spokane lawyer knows the fate of D.B. Cooper. Should we believe him? Oh, God. Is this another thing that's going to get me all amped up for no real reason? Yes. Fine. Let's do it. Uh, let's do it and get it over with, because it is a local story. Uh, Galen Cook, who's investigating the case, says a man named William Wolfgang Gossett confessed to at least five people that he is D.B. Cooper. I'm going to call a press conference and announce that I'm D.B. Cooper. That an investigator like myself has to do is go around and corroborate all these stories and see if each person's facts somehow or other link up. And it turns out this one, this one does. The consistency I've been hearing from these different different people is really stunning. Those things do is hit them when they're small. Uh, there are good insecticides out there that help take care of them, but smaller the bug, the easier it is to kill. As grasshoppers get larger, uh, they become more resistant to insecticides. <laughs> then they get to a certain size, all you can do is step on them and squish them. <laughs> I love that guy. Okay, let me just ask you this real quickly before I comment about this stupid freaking D.B. Cooper story. Who do we love more, that guy or Wisconsin? How are you, young Dave? Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. Wait a second, go slow there, baby. I didn't even hear that. Well, you came at me like some... I said shiny, which is a slang term for great used in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. All right. Josh Wheaton vehicles. <laughs> I don't even know who we like more. Who's better? I don't know. All right. We're going to do an Instapol later. Like the, the Joss Whedon guy. I love him, too, but, I mean, they're both great. We should do an Instapol later to find out who the audience likes more, Bug Guy or Whedon Guy. Jesus. Oh, but so about D.B. Cooper. I ought to just hold a press conference, like, tomorrow and just announce that I, Rick Emerson, am, I am D.B. Cooper. That, it's just, that I've grown weary of hiding. I can no longer live a lie. The weight, the burden has become too much, and I have to, uh, I have to relieve myself uh, of all of this. I have to relieve myself. I'm going to call a press conference and I have to relieve myself of guilt. Uh, because, I mean, really, because all you have to do at this point is just have access to a telephone and just call the stupid news organization. I've found D.B. Cooper. You haven't found D. Stop it! For the love of Jehoshaphat. They don't understand when they do these sorts of things, Tim, when they d d d gather some some idiot news crew together and they say, no, 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 right here, I've got incontrovertible evidence. You have no incontrovertible Knock it off. They, you know, they are playing with the emotions of D.B. Cooper enthusiasts uh, like myself. And I, for one, have had enough. Tired of it. Jesus. At, at some point, we're going to have to put a moratorium on D.B. Cooper stories because they just they may, be, they may be way too agitated, as you might have noticed. Here's Tim Riley. 
An orange trail of Cheetos led police to three teenagers suspected in burglarizing a vending machine. They found a vending machine glass broken, and apparently the teen used a chair. Most of the candy and chips were missing. The officers followed a trail of snack debris from the rec center. Across the side of the building into a nearby home. Inside, they found numerous vending-sized bags of Cheetos and other snacks. Three males have been arrested, most 17, 18, and 19. The uh, 17-year-old also charged with criminal damage to property, all denied being involved. Miley Ray Cyrus says she was in love with one of the Jonas brothers. Oh, God. She she and Nick uh, Jonas were in love. And that she bawled for a month straight. We're in love with Why are you so evilly laughing? <laughs> no reason. <laughs> I want that girl to just go away. Well, I guess nothing more needs to be added to that story. Uh. <laughs> Kids grow up so fast these days. They do. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Please, t- please tell me we have her saying that. No, we don't. Is there audio somewhere? No, it's just from her people. Is that a direct quote? That is a direct quote. I want someone to find audio of Miley Cyrus saying she was in love with one of the Jonas Brothers and she and she bawled for a month straight. Seriously, more than anything, I want that audio. Really, more than life itself, I want that soundbite. Wow. <laughs> you would think that they would have people to check the people when they're putting these statements together. You would think, you would think that, wouldn't you? Jesus. Just say it one more time. Milo Ray Cyrus has admitted that she and Nick Jones were in love and that she bawled for a month straight. After their break. Well, we all we all come to terms with loss in different ways, Tim. <laughs> wow. Here's Tim Bradley, the Ministry of Truth. It's just that you have nothing better to do. The FBI is investigating helium balloons carrying flags with swastikers in North Portland. It happened at North Interstate in Skidmore. Uh, one, another one was seen for the Ross Island Bridge along Southeast Powell also. No information on who is behind the Nazi balloons. But who would com- would it be that bad if North Portland was taken over by Nazis at this point? Are you saying are you saying at this point is the ta- is the, is that section of Portland so beyond uh, yes. repair in your opinion, Tim, that the that the difference would be minor? Yes, that is a question worth pondering. How about this one, Rick? I can imagine your shrink driving around town, pondering you, your case, your mental acuity, as your shrink is wondering how big of an ego you have and whether or not you view yourself in grandiose, uh, grandiose terms, how big your delusions of grandeur might be. Suddenly, your giant face unfurls from an overpass. That's fantastic. That might be enough to put him into therapy. Oh, all right. Uh, apparently, uh, do you view yourself in grandiose terms is one of the classic questions, Rick. They ask you in order to ascertain if you are bipolar. Uh, when one is manic, one tends to view themselves in grandiose terms. So there you go. Uh, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. The identity of the mold will be revealed tonight. The finale for the latest season of the ABC reality competition will feature a union between this edition's 12 contestants, including three finalists. From San Diego, Chicago, and Wisconsin. John Kelly, 
Uh, said the mold. Oh, the mold will be a surprise to a good portion of the viewers. Not the mold. The mold? The mold. The mold. It's a cheese-making show. <laughs> That's true. The winner will take home $420,000. Yes? Sarah's asked me twice now if I've done the legal ID. I'm yes. kind of crazy. I okay. Do. No, you, here's the thing. You are about the legal ID. God bless you the way I am about white specks on the counter. Yes. Uh, I could I can totally see that comparison. Constantly but verifying to make sure that the we don't do no, it. No, absolutely understood. No, no, no. I did. KCMD Portland. I did, in fact. There we go. <laughs> third time. Yeah, we had, we did, in fact, do the legal ID. KCMD Portland. Let's do one more, Tim. KCMD, um, KCMD Portland's like me checking my stove obsessively before I leave my house. You know what KCMD Portland is? KCMD Portland is the white wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. Of, white wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. Exactly, of the radio world. Let's do one more here. From Caracas comes word, at least... 38 Wario Indians have died in remote villages. They died from rabies being spread by vampire bats. Laboratory investigations have yet to confirm the cause, but it makes a good story anyway. They're Wario Indians? Yes, they are. Wario Indians. W-A-R-A-O. In Indians. <laughs> Insert joke at home. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're dead due to bats by, by uh, vampire bats. That's kind of a cool and terrible way to go out. Outbreaks of rabies uh, spread by vampire bats are a problem in uh, various areas of South America, including Brazil and Peru. Okay. Vampire bats are very adaptable, say experts. And when their roosts are disrupted or their normal prey grow scarce, they come after people. At exactly what point today did the uh, program go off the rails? I think it might have been when we started reading aloud from my Stations of the Cross book that I made in kindergarten. By the way, we've gotten a ton of emails about this already. So, so I guess, yes, it's not 10. I think there, there's apparently 14 Stations of the Cross, not 10. 12. Uh, yeah, see, well, well, if you count both AM and FM. We're, we're all such bad, we're all such bad, uh, uh, such bad Catholics. Uh, Rick, maybe it's because I'm a generic Protestant, but I don't remember a character in the Bible named Veronica, who, from what your description sounds like, somehow ended up with Jesus' face and her hair. Was this like a DVD special feature in the Bible just for Catholics? I don't really know that it's in the Bible. Is Veronica wiping Jesus' face in I the Bible? I it was. Or is that like one of those things that... Similar, because that's like the big thing, like with this face imprint on the cloth, and there, it has a, some special name where they're trying to find it or something. I don't... Uh, no, 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 that's the Shroud of Turin. So you're thinking of the Shroud of... Oh, Okay. Welcome to God Talk. Right. <laughs> Veronica came up with a Kleenex and said, Jesus, blow your nose. That also, so we're, conf- we're conflating several different things. Let's just take them in no particular order. Then Tim will leave to prepare more news. Then we'll do the high concept subject for our friend Amanda. Um, okay. You are thinking of the Shroud of Turin. Okay. Which is purportedly, it's not, is purportedly the shroud in which Jesus was buried and then his image mysteriously appeared on it. Okay, that is what I was thinking of. You know, uh, so that is if you are perhaps given to believing in that kind of thing. Uh, so that you're thinking of the Shroud of Turin. The, this is a separate but similar story because, like so many things in religion, basically, and it's just the same handful of stories sort of repeated over and over again in sort of vaguely different guises throughout history and throughout cultures. I mean, we all know this to be true. You know, we're all it's just jo- it's Joseph Campbell's world. We're just living in it. Um, but the, what they're talking about in the Stations of the Cross is. I think Jesus is there, and he's hauling the cross, and it sucks, and he's, you know, pounding on him, and you know, beating him, or whatever, and it's just, it's, he's having a bad, having a bad time of it. <laughs> Jesus going up the hill with the cross, in. this really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that was in the Bible. Also. I mean, the, the worst day ever. Uh, and so Veronica comes up, and Jesus is sweaty, 
which seems really to be the least of his issues at this point. I mean, this doesn't make any sense the, now that I'm thinking about it. The thorns or the beating or Seriously. the whip marks? No, exactly. Now that I'm thinking about you're it, this is just a bunch of... Hey, a little. you're a little... Uh, looks like you're a little warm there, Jesus. What's going on? On your you know, now I've got... Hello, I've... Thorns in my head. No, no, no. Let me get rid of this sweat on your upper on your upper lip. That doesn't make any sense. Why would they teach us this? Well, she was a concerned woman. But I mean, as Sarah pointed out, they just spent the better part of a day, like beating him. Wouldn't you suppose that that might be your first concern? Maybe a bandage, Veronica. How about that? You know, maybe some sort of a maybe some sort of a salve or a wrap. Maybe like a like a nice cool drink. An aspirin, perhaps. Wouldn't be out of the question. Maybe some, uh, you know, just uh, maybe just a uh, maybe a back rub of some I kind. Learn how to prioritize a little bit better. Or Betty brings him a nice cold glass of lemonade. <laughs> Veronica is not triaging correctly. Uh, anywho, Does so she really wipe the sweat away from him? Well, now I don't even know if I'm remembering it correctly or not. But as I was all, I was always taught that station whatever it is. Let's see. Hold on, I have to refer to my uh, incredibly disturbing station of the cross book. Here we go. This is station number, uh, whatever, six. Veronica wipes Jesus' face. And so what we were always told she's is... She's wiping the blood away. Jesus is... Well, I suppose it's possible. Uh, so she comes up, she wipes his face with, face, uh, face with a, 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 you know, a, um, a cloth of some kind. And then, lo, she looked at the cloth and, like, his face was on it. Uh, that's what we were always taught. But, you know, now that I think about it, I don't think that's in the Bible. I think that is just like some added icing that they put onto the Catholic Wait, the cake. Wait, was on that, too? So there are two cloths of... Apparently, every, face it, on them? it's like some weird sort of uh, imprinting Midas touch, where everything Jesus touches, like, has his face on. Apparently, Jesus, apparently Jesus's face is like silly putty, where it's like he can just transfer images on anything he touches. Look, look. That always confused me. <laughs> oh, like a, a temporary tattoo. <laughs> Jesus' face is one big temporary tattoo. I was going the putty route where you, you spread it on the Popeye cartoon and you peel it up. Look, Popeye's on the putty. Uh, You're really dating yourself. Half the audience doesn't get that. I know. Um, anyway, so, so then there's that. But now that I think about it, I think that might be just not uh, dogma. In other words, not part of the catechism, not in the Bible just like a sort of bonus story that they told Catholics. Here's another thing they just told Catholics, and I know that we're not talking about God for like 20 minutes, but, you know, it's, it, it, it is what makes this show quite unlike anything else. One never knows what one's going to hear. We were talking about boobs just like 20 minutes ago. Um, and Miley Cyrus bawling for a month. Um, now, did you guys ever hear this story uh, in terms of the crucifixion? Did you guys ever hear the story of, so Jesus is on the cross, uh, and he's been crucified, and uh, and and whatever, and 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 to make sure that he is dead, or or when to, 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 to yeah, that they come up and they pierce his sword his, in the side, right? They pierce his side with a sword. Now we've all heard that, or with a spear, that he is his Jesus' side is pierced with a spear. Did you ever hear this story though? Um, the Roman soldier comes up, pierces Jesus with the. This is so disgusting. Pierces Jesus with the sword, and some sort of bodily fluid comes from the wound, I swear to you, they taught me this, the bodily fluid falls onto the face of a soldier who, as luck would have it, was blind, and then his sight was restored. No, I've was never Was it number one that. or number two? What? Oh, I thought you were talking about bodily fluids. That would come out of Jesus' side? Oh, I don't know. I'm not the only one with a badly drawn Jesus, I see. Jesus is inside. Some... punctured something. It was that it was just some sort of bodily fluid, though, and it fell onto the Roman soldier's face and cured his blindness. We were always taught that. I have never, ever heard that. See, so I don't mean to sound 
anti-religion. You know, whatever. Believe what you want to believe. Cling to what you want to cling to. Follow whatever path you want to follow. Doesn't matter to me. But doesn't it seem a little irresponsible, even for Catholics, to just sort of have this laissez-faire attitude where you can be adding to and taking away from the story like at whim? You know what I mean? This is really like some sort of, this is like some sort of weird, uh, like ecumenical telephone game where as the story gets told, just things get altered and changed and added and moved. It's all very weird. Anyway. Have we really spent this long talking about Jesus? Yeah, I'm reading, so it's the sixth station of the cross. Veronica wipes the face of Jesus. Jesus, suddenly a woman comes out of the crowd. Her name is Veronica. You can see how she cares for you. She takes the cloth and wipes the sweat from your face. She can't do much, but she offers what little help she can. So she wipes... It the, makes no sense. It makes no sense. She wipes the sweat from his from his face, which I guess is that's her, you know, whatever. Uh, and then his face is on... Does it say that his face is then on her a cloth? Well, there's a picture right next to it, and there's a... <laughs> There's an imprinted Jesus face. <laughs> There's an, an artist rendering. Uh, it's all very bizarre. So you guys never had to do anything like this with the Stations of the Cross thing, did you? Probably. Oh, yeah. I mean, did you? Yeah, it's all... I, I had mean, to go to Bible camp every summer. Bible camp. Did you go to vacation Bible school? Oh, yes, I do. And my parents uh, put us because we couldn't, they couldn't afford to send us to like, any really fancy camp. So right. So we went to this camp called Camp Gilead in Carnation, Washington, that was a full-blown, crazy Baptist camp. A Baptist camp? Yeah. My mom would send my sister and I, little Catholics, who, like, the Baptists would talk to us, you know, and say how evil we were for being Catholic oh, and how course. we needed to be saved. And That's got to be fun. It was total torture. We went for years. Have a great summer. Catholics at a Baptist camp. <laughs> ah, it's like uh, it's like meatballs with faith healing. Um, well, you know what's weird? I was talking to Court uh, from Court and Fatboy, and he, uh, I think he's, I think he, I, I may be speaking out of time. I think he identifies as an atheist at this point in his life, but I think he was raised Lutheran. Weird thing, he was Lutheran, packed off to a Catholic school for years. Which, you know, and here's the weird thing about that. When I was going to Catholic school, we started, we were so hard up for money at this Catholic school, even though they jacked my parents out of hundreds of dollars every month for intuition. And seriously, and they had me out there selling chocolate bars at like the age of seven. That's just a kick to your self-esteem every single day. Uh, but so we started taking Lutherans at my Catholic school. Here's the weird thing about that. Isn't the whole thing about the Lutheran faith that Martin Luther himself said like, you know, hold on a second. Like, that's all wrong. Like, didn't Martin Luther reject papal supremacy and the, the tenets of Catholicism? Isn't that where Lutheran came from? Uh, Lutherans came from? I believe so. I believe Martin Luther himself, because there was that thing where he tacked the proclamation to the front of the church. And Martin Luther said, as Eddie Izzard would, uh, would say, Eddie, uh, Martin Luther said, hang on a second. This doesn't work. And so then how, how weird that is that many years later that they're sending Lutheran kids to Catholic school. So, the whole thing is just a freaking mystery. It really is. Mm -hmm. uh, Richie, should I take any of these calls? I don't, I don't really know. I don't know what I'm to do here. Maybe I should pray for guidance. I guess, okay, I guess I'll just... Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. It's Stevie. How are you? Hello. What's up? Well, you know, I really just wanted to call and ask about uh, what happens if you don't do the legal ID. But, I mean... This whole Jesus thing has just really got me all. Oh. I've been I've been laughing so hard. You just have no idea. It's it's great. You know, Veronica should have brought nail polish. Wow, really? <laughs> That's you who said that, by the way, not me. 
It is me. I mean, come on. You know, I That's, mean, uh, it, it's all a fairy tale one way or the other. Well, I will say this. First of all, the legal ID is like, you know, the, 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 you know, we do it every hour and, you know, and it's just it's a it's a holdover from an earlier era of radio where stations uh, needed to identify themselves and their city of origin. And there was some sort of reason behind it. And I forget exactly why, but because we're federally licensed. Uh, once an hour, we have to basically say who we are and where we are, and so that's what we say, KCMD Portland. And you know, if you don't do it, they tell you to do it. They yell at you. So, but we don't want to be yelled at. Being yelled at is the first step towards, you know, I don't know, something worse. Um, yeah, the Jesus thing is already. And again, you know, whatever. I went to Catholic school for a long time. I I have many friends who are religious. It's just, it is very strange. At the very least, even if one believes it to be true, it's just unspeakably morbid. I mean, it really is. It's just, it's just unspeakably weird. Uh, yeah. Especially that you'd be having a five-year-old. And I don't want anybody to think that I'm, like, traumatized by it or I'm scarred by it or whatever. You know, I, any problems I got in my head are not because I went to Catholic school. But the idea that you would be taking a five, faking a five-year-old and saying, hey, I want you to draw a whole series of pictures where a guy is systematically tortured and then nailed to a tree to bleed to death. <laughs> it's just weird. So, yeah. uh, thank you. Can I, tell you. can I tell you the name of my camp that I had to go to? Yes. Is this going to be another joke? No. Okay. Uh, All right. Luther Haven. Really? Yes. All right. Uh, on Lake Ponderay in North Idaho. All right. That's tricky. Cool. Bye. Thank you. All right. We should do some high concept topic where people talk about the camps they were sent to at childhood. That's a great idea. I, had to I don't go... know how to exactly make it work, but. Uh, hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. Hey, everybody. This is Benjamin. How's it going? What's up? Hey, uh, good Joseph Campbell reference, by the way. I'm actually right in the middle of reading The Hero with a Thousand Faces. The Hero, if, Hero if with anyone's a... on the fence or agnostic out there, you need to read that book. Yeah, Hero with a Thousand Faces is um, is basically Joseph Campbell. It, it, he's not the first person to say it, but it is considered the definitive work on the subject by many people, where he notes that throughout human history, there has been the hero and the hero's journey, where... You know, it, it's the same journey. It is Harry Potter. It's Luke Skywalker. It's um, uh, it's, it's uh, 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 Frodo Baggins. The hero is called to complete a task. At first, he resists. Then he then he goes on the journey. He has a mentor, a father figure along the way. There is a conflict with a force greater than himself. And at the end, he either returns home change, changed or accepts his destiny and dies a changed man, blah, 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 blah. And Joseph Campbell points out that Jesus fits very nicely into the hero with a thousand faces archetype. Yeah, as uh, Spock would say, the Christian mythology falls right in line with that. Um, I called to, to see if you got my email about horseplay. I, uh, probably, I got a lot of emails today. I don't know. What, what do you got? Oh, well, basically, horses, uh, young male horses, in order to establish their dominance in the herd, will roughhouse with other male horses and basically herd them around as if they were mares, oh. practicing for when they're going to be stallions eventually themselves. Um, and their play is very rough. I mean, they headbutt, they kick each other, they slam their shoulders, they knock each oh. other down. So kids roughhousing would, would be considered horse So it actually does make rough. sense. Yes, it does. All right. And it sounds a lot better than grab ass, which is what they always told me. <laughs> Don't be playing grab ass. All right. Thank you. You're there welcome. You I've never heard grab ass. Quit screwing around. Like vulgar for, for my childhood. It's a years. guy thing. They tell guys that. Okay. Like if you're in school, like your gym teacher or your shop teacher will say that. That's the, it's, it's never any. It's, it's always the guy who teaches phys ed or shop or metal shop or one of those. He'd be like, hey, you kids, quit playing grab ass back there. And so was a guy with, like, a bad white golf shirt, whistle around his neck, and, like, red satiny dolphin shorts. Rick, this email, this is, I'll say this from Todd the Corpse, Sunday school teacher and man of God. 
In flipping through my Bible, I can find a story in each of the four Gospels where there was a woman who anointed Jesus' feet with expensive perfume and wipes them with her hair. Uh, one uh, Gospel names her as Mary, the sister of Martha, not Jesus' mom. Uh, this is in no way associated with the crucifixion. There's no one named Veronica. By the way, uh, we should also note uh, that these uh, same Gospels, the, the Bible is always used. I don't even know why I care about this stuff anymore. Uh, and I'm not going to uncork a whole debate about this, but I, I don't consider myself uh, uh, an atheist, but I do consider myself an agnostic in that I don't know how anything works. I don't know how the universe operates. I don't know what exists and what doesn't. So I just, uh, you know, whatever. I, it's a big blank in my head. I got nothing. Um, but... The Bible, which has been constantly used to slander Mary Magdalene and label her, when no one, you know, and you don't, do you realize that nowhere in the Bible does it say that she's a prostitute? They'll never say that. The Bible never says Mary Magdalene is a prostitute. And just throughout history, that Mary Magdalene is a prostitute, which it never says. Mm -hmm. That's just some crap people started saying uh, in an event. He says, the fluid usually referred to as water that came out of Jesus' side was, and I've heard this, was to show that he was dead. In other words, to show that he had, this is so disgusting, but to show that he had bled to death. Mm -hmm. And the theory was if you pierced him and no blood came out, he was in fact dead. He says there is no mention of some random soldier wandering by and getting it on his face. And by the way, why would they let a blind guy be a soldier? That doesn't even make sense. Todd says Catholicism is weird. No wonder so many people become disenchanted with religion. He says... Lastly, Martin Luther tacked up the 95 theses on the church to go tell the Pope and the Catholic Church to pound sand. That's where the Catholic-Protestant split uh, came from. So, there you go. Well, we've just used up this entire segment talking about... We've talked about, about this for 25 minutes. Talking about Jesus. People tell me we don't have facets. We got layers up to here. All right, we need to break. It's been like an hour. All right, I feel like I should play something godly. I don't have anything. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back after this. More from Tim Riley, and uh, we'll do the top five today. Uh, in honor of the passing of Isaac Hayes, we'll do the top five. Love making songs. That should counteract the Jesus talk nicely. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Say that. Yes, tonight we stand, our father will fall. Together, we can stand poor. Brothers, let's try to work it out to get mad. Revolt, revive, realize this super bad. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where that great of wrath of sword. He hath loosed the faithful lightning of his
And now, now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. One of the largest and most photographed stone arches in Arches National Park has collapsed. Wall arch fell sometime uh, late yesterday. Nobody was uh, there to see it collapse. The arch, uh, located along the popular Devil's Garden Trail, was claimed by forces that will eventually destroy the other arches, gravity and erosion. You know, that's, and that's a big deal, too. Uh, I think I saw that. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, and it really is, um, you know, whatever snide comments I may make about the, the certain aspects of uh, Utah, uh, that is southern Utah. I don't care if you don't like the outdoors. I don't care if you, you don't like nature. You're, if you're not impressed by things. Southern Utah, Utah is mind-blowing. Yeah, I mean, beautiful. it's amazing. And I always say this, and it sounds sort of flip or, or silly or whatever, but, I mean, really, if you watch those Wile E. Coyote Roadrunner cartoons, those are based on Southern Utah. So it, when it, you watch those Roadrunner cartoons, and they're, they're these, uh, these, these insane rock formations in the background where it's like a little skinny rock with, like, a huge boulder on top of it that's balanced there somehow, that stuff is all real. It's all in Southern Utah. And um, that's like the, uh, what was that thing in the, the Old Man? The Old Man of the Mountain. It's a, it, it just collapsed. It was a, the uh, symbol of the state of New Hampshire. Somebody woke up and looked for it one day, and it was gone. I can't even imagine what a big deal this must be in Utah, because, I mean, first of all, it's a huge tourist thing. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's also, it's just, it's, you know, I guess it's not either sad. I mean, it just is. It's the way the universe works. Stuff falls over. But, I mean, it's, uh, that's, a, that's a big deal. A New Mexico woman's been accused of hoarding phone books. Apparently, a 55-year-old Deborah Gretel is accused of storing the books in three storage units during a five-year period instead of delivering them as she was hired to do. Did anybody miss them? No. Okay. You know, I am sick and tired of being delivered phone books. And they're always phone books I don't want. I get one like every other week saying, uh, this is the phone book you know. I don't. Hey, I don't that, need more phone books. It's weird that you mention that because I get that too. I get a lot of phone books sent to me, and I can't tell which one. I mean, first of all. Are there competing phone book companies? Yes. I think so, yeah, for advertising and whatnot, because they make a lot of money from that. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. And you always need the yellow pages because the Internet is – when these telephone companies put their yellow pages online, it never works right. The, you can do it faster looking it up in the book. The online yellow pages can be a little tricky to use. It can be a little uh, – because – because don't you think that over the last few years we've all rewired our brains just to do Google type stuff? Mm-hmm. And so now, you know, when you try to use something else, it's like you have to sort of revamp your thinking a little bit. Let's do a uh, quick hick watch. Here's your quick hick watch. Oh, and I think we may have a call inside of this as well. Here's your hick watch for Monday. A woman allegedly stabbed an elderly boyfriend to death because he was drinking her beer is being held on $500,000 bail. Regina Williams, who's 55, appeared in Cook County Court. I'm not sure. Oh, this is that Illinois. Is Illinois. Illinois. Uh, she appeared in Cook County Court before a judge charged of first-degree murder in the slaying of Willie Anderson. Around 6 p.m. last Wednesday, the two were sitting in Anderson's car outside his home when Williams became angry that he was drinking her beer. Uh, they began to quarrel, and Williams allegedly pulled a knife she carried for protection and began stabbing Anderson. Anderson yelled for help, but Williams continued to stab him. Afterwards, uh, Williams got out of the car and called down the street to Anderson's nephew, saying, You better come down and get your uncle. I just killed him. Uh, he got back in the vehicle. She got back in the vehicle and finished drinking the beer. 
She's already on probation for a 2007 felony conviction for aggravated battery. She was also convicted of spitting in the face of a paramedic who was giving her medical treatment. She has a history of mental illness, too. Watch. Uh, real quickly before we close that, uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. What did you want to uh, report here? Well, uh, Friday I was driving on I-5 heading into Portland. Yes, sir. Off the side of the road, I see this red flag. It's got a white circle in the center of it. And then I see about a quarter of the, the caricature. It's a Nazi flag. So we were just talking about this earlier. Whereabout were you, uh, whereabouts were you when you saw this? Because we had this story earlier today. Where, where exactly, sir? I was on I-5 just as it meets um, I-84, just in that, that cluster thing of uh, an intersection right there. It was off the side of the road. People were driving over it. Um, it looked dirty like it had been there a while. The weirdest thing ever. Isn't that it's just surreal, isn't it? And I'll guarantee. I mean, look, I, I don't know, but I'll guarantee you, this probably is just. Wouldn't you assume this is probably just the work of just some like idiot kids? Yes. Let's uh, oh, let's well. screw, let's make things angry. Let's make people angry. Let's put on a swastika flag. So goddamn people are stupid. All right, thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. There's your uh, hick watch. Oh, this guy said. So this is a different one. This guy said that it wasn't a balloon. This is one that was actually having hung somewhere. Anyway, uh, we'll do the top five in a second. This says, Rick, um, uh, where the hell is Peter Carlin? Did I miss his segment or is this the Matt Damon bit again? Uh, no, uh, Peter Carlin will be with us Wednesday. Uh, busy today. Tomorrow, uh, tomorrow we won't be able to have him because tomorrow we have uh, the uh, guy from the Portland, uh, Portland Department of Transportation uh, okay. who's going to talk about bicycles versus motorists and so forth. Not in those terms, obviously, but you know what I mean. Uh, clarify the issue. Uh, Peter Carlin, Wednesday, by which time I will have seen Bad Men. So it's all for the best. Here's Tim Riley. It is time now for the top five, I believe. Here's your top five. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. Counting is wonderful, counting is marvelous, counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness, counting is ecstasy, I love to count, don't you? Here's Tim Riley with today's Top 5. And as we mourn the passing of soul man, Isaac Hayes, we take a moment to reflect on music as tool of seduction. Folks, lazy and sophisticated. Yeah. Brace yourselves in the these of the Top 5. Love making songs of all time. The top five what songs, Tim? Love uh, making songs. That's right. So picture Chris Paddock and I uh, alone in a room together with the door shut, talking about love making songs. Honorable mention goes to Conway Twitty with a redneck and love making knife. Uh, this was picked only because it has the worst song title in the history of humanity. It's a redneckin' love making night. I mean, seriously. He'd never heard of this song, and I was sort of, I was sort of horrified. I, at first, I thought it was the Bellamy Brothers, but then I realized it was Conway Twitty. Yeah. Hello, baby. Conway here. Let me lay this in your ear. Get ready to go, but we're going to roll about sundown. I got some boogie-woogie music in the old age track. Yeah. I got the top laid back. This is the least soulful thing I've ever heard. I apologize to the departed spirit of Isaac Hayes. I'm sorry that we're celebrating your life by playing Conway Twitty. Please forgive me. 
We just got to get to the awful chorus. It's an honorable mention because it's just so awful. It's... I got a six-pack along next to drop on ice. Jesus. But you sure look nice. Makes me want to hug you and kiss you all over your face. This sounds like country rock. Yeah. Well, it's a red-necking, long-making night. You ain't had much till you've been touched in the moonlight. Yeah. You feel it the most when you get real close and you hold on tight. It's a red-necking, long-making night. There's just no words. Okay. It's a red-necking, long-making night. Is it top five love-making songs of all time? Number five. Podcast. I just want to make. I hate this song. I hate most of these songs, by the way. I despise this song. I don't like Foghat at all. I don't know the song, but I can tell I don't like it's it. It's terrible. It's awful. You can't be wrong. I don't. I don't hate classic rock, but I hate this song and I hate Foghat. It just sounds like bad 70s rock from the get-go. Put more flange on it. Sing through a telephone. This is another one of those Joy Division things where it's like the singer is down the street somewhere. There's there is no redeeming. No, we have to move on. <laughs> it's totally without merit, Tim. Number four, bad company. Feel like making love. Jesus, speaking of... Here's another song I hate. What's with the phrase, making love? It's just... Do you agree? I See, I'm glad I'm not alone there. No, it's just... It's awful. I find that phrase icky. I really do. I like the term bedding. Bedding is good. That's sort of a classic, like a Renaissance-era term. I, I love saying that. Did you bed many ladies? With me, I'll be like, you have not bedded me, sir. <laughs> I think the thing is with a lot of these songs, too, it's that you either know or get a good picture of what this guy looks like, and it's never somebody that you want to hear talking to you this way. And I have to tell you, as a former classic rock DJ, I used to have to play this all the time. And even when I wasn't having to play it, you would get these drunken guys calling up, or women sometimes. Hey, my man and I are celebrating our 14th tonight. Can you play me a little bad co? Yeah, because I feel like making love. And you're just like holding the phone away and wanting to sponge it off. I think Kid Rock did a truly awful cover of this a couple years ago. He did. He did. Dangerous oh, Toys God. also did a truly awful cover. There's no good for This song sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to bottom line it. This song blows. All right. Counting down the top five love-making songs. Number three, Hearth. All I want to do is make love for you. I have to tell you, uh, I pulled this one uh, from the Intertron this morning, and I was watching the video that went along with it. I haven't seen a video for this in a long time. You know, what's, the thing about this song is, even when they're singing Bad Material, Ann Wilson still sings so well. I kind of like the song, except for the phrase, all I want to do is make love to you. Really? You like the... Because she, she doesn't want to make love with them. She just wants her, her seed, her seed. For a, a, a Give me your seed. 
What is that instrument in the background? Is that just the relentless thump of a synthesized yes, drum? Totally. That's right. Tim referenced a really obscure Beavis and Budded moment earlier, where they have to do the animated film, and what's her name? Cassandra does the life cycle of a rose, and then they do one of just like Beavis being stabbed with a pitchfork and blood and a plane exploding. It's fantastic. That was like one of the most memorable TV moments ever. I laughed myself sick when I, I first too. saw that. That, here's another mo great Beavis and Butthead moment. I say totally ignoring the song. You know another great Beavis and Butthead moment? What's that? Is that episode when they're not allowed to laugh because they're going to get beaten, have their asses beaten if they laugh, and Mr. Buzzcut is, um, you know, Today we're going to be talking about the penis! Do you find that amusing, Butthead? We'll talk about the testicles! Is it a place she knew well because she's just humping every guy that she sees? Why does she Wait, know the hotel? We found this hotel. It was a place I knew well. What's that about? I don't know. Was she the town pump? It was convenient. Ugh. So many times. Easily. So many times. Easily. He had the magic touch. Yeah. So much for Miss Hart. And it always weirds me out, too, because she's like, you want, you can walk to my garden and planted a tree or seed or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she's like, how does she know? It just happened the night before. How does how does she know the seed has been planted? This is like a whole... Ed that kind of woman. We this need to sit down and analyze this like we did ironic. This is a uh, this is like a John Edwards type of question. It could be anybody. She knows the hotel very well. She's obviously a slut. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, number two, Johnny Taylor. Who's making love? <laughs> this is, I think, the only actual soul on this list. I think Isaac Hayes wrote this song, actually. Really, the whole list is redeemed just by the inclusion of this. I do believe this is a Stax record. Could be wrong about that, which means this is Booker T and the MGs uh, doing the background there. Yeah, how great is that? Listen to that. Like Otis Redding horns there. Miley Cyrus should cover this when she's done bawling. Good golly, Miss Miley. All right, Canada Top I love making songs of all time. And at long last, the number one song. Here's Air Supply. Making love out of nothing at all. Do you hate this song, Tim? I can't remember. Yes. How could you hate this song? Hey, you know these guys are in Kennewick this week. No lie. These guys in Emerson Drive, both in Kennewick. like the ribbon cutting of a Walmart or something? <laughs> Opening a new pawn and save. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world, back at 4, 5, 6, and 7. Top of the hour all the way through at Lycus. What a great song this is. Oh, because it's totally, totally put to the heart. Totally. And meatloaf, and it's got the great football line coming up.
Jim, Jim Steinman's the coolest guy who's ever lived. Wow. All right, we'll be back after this to wrap it up. Your phone calls around the corner. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. I am not 70. Back after this. Shame in that. Not this one. That's right. I'm reckon, watching that Breaking Bad show. It's just so stressful. Do you know the theory? Do you know the, the gimmick of Breaking Bad? No, but I've heard that it was good. What is it? It's uh, about a high school chemistry teacher. This is all set up in the first episode. No spoilers. High school chemistry teacher uh, who's just really, you know, the old sort of middle midlife crisis. A meek guy, real nebbish, nothing going for him on his life. Dis, you know, disconnected from his family and his wife and his whatever. Has no money. Dirt broke. Uh, turns out he has inoperable cancer and only has a short time to live. And so, um, because, and he has a, a special needs kid. And so he doesn't want, uh, he doesn't want his family to be, to be, you know, d- 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 destitute when he dies. Mm-hmm. So because he only has a, you know, whatever, like a, like a year to live or something, he decides to start being a meth uh, maker. And really? so he's this suburban, this suburban high school chemistry teacher, total straight arrow, who decides to start manufacturing and selling meth, uh, to try to get as much money as possible for his family before he dies. Wow. It's a really great show. That's a really interesting premise. It, it's it's pretty great. It's dark, but it's good. And I so mean, like, now instead of like rooting for a serial killer with Dexter, you're rooting for the meth maker? Rooting for a meth dealer. Yeah. God, that's weird. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Rick. Uh, I can was, tell from the tone of your voice you're disappointed in something I did. Yeah. That list was uh, <laughs> awful. Well, come on. Tell me. Give me specifics. Fix it. Where was Queen's Get Down, Make Love? More specifically, uh, Trent Reznor's remix of their uh, cover of it. But really? Seriously? No, nah, I should have done that. You're right. No, I have no one, myself, no one but myself to blame in Chris Craft. You're, you're, you're killing me on that. Well, we'll blame it on Chris then. That's All fine. Right. Uh, number two, uh, as fans of your show, uh, my friends and I drunkenly one night decided to come up with what our choices of beer were. And? Pilsner, Porter, IPA, Hefeweizen, Lager. <laughs> Excellent. Logger, thank you, my friend. You're a good person. No problem. Best show ever. Thank you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Rick, for as much as I love Air Supply, that was the widest tribute to Isaac Hayes ever. It really, uh, Paddock and I realized, I don't mean to be putting all the blame on no, him, too. No, you totally but... do. That's why you invited him into your office. I bet you couldn't put it together yourself, so you invited him to come upstairs for a second. Can I tell you, we tried to do, like, five soul or R&B songs, and then we just looked at each other, we're like, no, we we can't do that. So Can I, can I give you three words of advice? Yes. Chris Carter, stroking. I was just uh, thinking that. That was the one I was thinking of. All right. That, 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 that would have been so much better than uh, everything. I don't, <laughs> thank you. Do we <laughs> dare do one more? Yes, yes. All right. Final call of the day, sir. Hello. Hi. How can I help you? Is it me? Yes, it is. Hello, sir. Good afternoon, sir. Hey, top five, Ricky, Ricky, Ricky. If you're going to do Twippy, you got to do Love to Lay Me Down. Right. That's way better. I know. I suck. Together. I should be destroyed. All right. I got to go. Oh, no, we gotta quick, go. quick. Johnny Taylor. Hey, the Blues Brothers covered that. That is true. All right. Oh, Thank you. I Bob Dylan, Lay Lady Lay. I'm a terrible person. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM970, the talker in the newsroom, Jim Rowley, and the phone for Cheaper Still, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, Webmaster, Bird from Upstairs, Director of Engineering, Brian Jones, CBS Radio, Portland Marketing Guru, Susan Donat with me, Reynolds. Tomorrow. The Bike Guy from the City of Oregon, as well as Nita Parker from TMZ. Like us next, Michael Mara Show at 7. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Don't let the bastards grind you down. Watch out for snakes. See you tomorrow. Bye. Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity.